All right. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to 100. Oh, man, that was awful. I'm not even going to cut that out. Welcome to episode 184 of the Bench Time Podcast <laughs> with Todd and Brett Wiley of Wiley Scale Modeling. As we hinted last week, we have a guest on who we were just talking with him. We spent, we just did a whole podcast, guys, um, before we hit record. Uh, we have Bernard from Mini Prints, who we have not had on in two, almost two years exactly to the day. Well, close to it. Yeah. Yep. So welcome on to the show, Bernard. Thank you for coming on again. Well, thank you. Time flies. We didn't scare you away enough yeah. the first time, I guess, so you came it's, back. It's Bernard Helen, everybody. Well, yes. Knows, it needs to know, but yes. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, it's been two years, so I guess I've forgotten how traumatic the first <laughs> one was, and I'm ready ready to do it again. <laughs> well, you say, what do they say? Time, heal, time heals all time wounds? Heals? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was your nightmare experience the last time, right? Now, um, yes. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. May I have another? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, we 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 had a we had a lot of fun last time, and I got a million things to talk to you about this time. We want to get into um, the things that are going to be going on, the things that you have going on, the new things that we have. Um, of course, we'll explain what you know for the people that hadn't listened before. Um, Bernard Hare has the um, miniprints.com. And it's where they, he makes um, HO. Is it HO and O scale or just HO scale? It's everything is available in HO, S, and O scale. Okay. So all three scales. And most everything is available in N scale as well. So Okay. And, and, and some, it, believe it or not, so, some G scale. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty oh, much oh, anything you want. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, um, and he, he's making. Oh, figures like a figures for animals, uh, human figures, animals, all kinds of objects and and things he's getting into. And we got some special things that he he's new that he that's new to. We're going to cover all that, and then we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about um, our experiences and maybe get some tips and pointers from him on painting. And I don't think we get it. I don't think we got into that too terrible much last time. So we're going to do a little bit of that this time. Um, you know how we how we paint them and the things we do and the things that he does and some of maybe some of his uh, customers have done that he's got I you know maybe he can expel some knowledge on us how to make better um, yeah uh, uh, prepare and paint better uh, figures so um, we'll walk yeah, him with us great. glad to have well thank you for having me back. <laughs> Well, a lot it, has changed in two years. Yes, it, it's, it certainly has. I'm looking at your at your your website as we're doing this. So once I get rid of this uh, Skype telephone looking thing, and um, why is that on top? And who cares? Uh, let's uh, go to uh, one one of the things that I noticed that you that you had, you had birds last time, a ton of birds, right? And yeah, you domestic animals. You've had that. I know you've added some. Uh, land animals, uh, as you've always had an land animals, and you've added to that, I believe, since the last time we talked to you, of course. Uh, but you, I don't recall the aquatic animals. Did you? No, everything's really grown. I mean, when we first talked two years ago, the company was probably only about eight months old, and uh, we're coming up on four years now. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, so this April 1st, 
will be our fourth year anniversary. So, uh, so we were, we weren't even a year old when we first talked two years ago. Yeah. Wow. So oh, it's, wow. uh, the, I mean, yeah, it's, it, and I think that, you know, it was pretty much birds and animals, like when we first yeah. talked and that, that's as, as you know, if people go back and listen to, I don't know what episode it was way back when, I think it was like in the 160s or mm-hmm. something. Uh-huh. Uh, but, um, what's that? No, we, no, were we just disagreed con- with you. We were just confirming, oh. yeah. Yeah, I think it was, oh, one, no, 159. I just looked at it. Episode 159, uh, the 8th of January in 2021. So so back then, I mean, the company started in, in uh, April. So the company had only been going for, you know, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. So it, it hasn't been a full year. And it started with, you know, as we talked about back then, it started with my, my need, my desire to find an HO scale beaver, you know, for my own layout. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it really did start with, you know, the birds and the animals. And since then, you know, I keep adding categories. So there, there's so much new stuff. I'd say most of the stuff you see on the website now wasn't around when we talked last. Yeah, I'm seeing that right now. That's really a big growth in the span of the two years. But uh, that's insane. Yeah, and I mean, I try and list two or three new things every week at minimum. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I mean, I don't... You know, I'm not thinking about the math on that, but I mean, if it's a couple things a week times 52 weeks, mm-hmm. you know, it's at least a couple hundred a year. Yeah. You know, yeah. so times two years. So, yeah, I, I would say the vast majority of stuff there is stuff that, you know, that we can talk about that wasn't there before. And it, it, it has definitely gotten a little weirder. You know, yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, it started strange. It started uh-huh. strange, and it's gone completely off the rail. I, um, well, and you do my, a lot of things by request, right? Yeah. As I'm browsing... I become known as... As I'm browsing... Uh, talking about weird as I'm browsing, and we can talk about this in more detail later, um, listening to you, and I'm just kind of you know perusing through your site, I see the oddities page, which is full of weird. That's my favorite. (laughs) That's my favorite. Yeah. I, my, my favorite one on there might be a tie between, um, the plague doctor and, and the, the moderately agitated male boy. I don't know why that one's funny to me. And (laughs) there's probably a story behind it, but that's my favorite looking one. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, there is a story behind that for sure. Oh and yeah, well, we're going to get to that. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of what you know. Over the last two years, that's kind of what we've been known for mm-hmm. is that you know everybody out there can do cinder blocks or mailboxes or garbage <laughs> cans, and you know there's no doubt that in the last two years, you know there've been more and more people out there sort of doing that. But that's no fun, right? Like right. The fun stuff right. is, you know, like for me anyway, the fun stuff is. You know, can you can you do a set of gargoyles to go on either side of my you know Halloween house or yeah. something that's just you're never going to see anywhere else. No. Yeah, that's the, so cool. I'm looking at the gargoyles now that you brought that up, and that would be just cool to get them and sit them on top of a house or on top of a city building at the top. You know, exactly. Like, well, well, that's just it. I mean, I've had people put them on like skyscrapers, like you know, they're modeling like New York skyscrapers. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they put them on all four corners, like, you know, Ghostbusters. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Now, what? what's the deal with Fred the Sock? Uh, okay, so Fred the Sock, <laughs> there is... <laughs> there's a podcast out there and this this is actually um this is a a really a new part of the business that has started since uh since we last spoke but i've really gotten into people cuz mm-hmm. i think uh for what i was doing you know there's a real lack of good uh modern railroaders out there so uh i i really like the whole notion of contemporary figures you know i remember at one point we were talking it might have been two years ago about how you know there are a lot of great european figures out there that are fantastic quality but they they look very european we were talking about that on our our we were we were just talking about that i don't want you i don't want i have an oompa band and i don't it's it's an unpainted oompa what the hell am i going to do with an oompa band you know? Well, that's that's really between you and your yourself. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to get involved. There's to do with a Noopa band. There's yeah, websites yeah. for that, Dad. You can go to find those on your own. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not one to judge. That's you know, that's between you and the Noopa. <laughs> but um, but it it certainly doesn't fit my era or right. or yeah. my geography. So um, I there is a podcast out there that you guys might have heard of called A Modeler's Life. Yes, yes. And sure. uh, and so uh, my very first uh, live scan of a figure uh, was Lionel from A Modeler's Life. Okay. Uh, and to answer your question, Ed the Sock is one of his characters. Ah, gotcha. gotcha. So gotcha. that is that is a recurring character uh, on. Uh, on that uh, that mm-hmm. podcast, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this in the future. But since then, uh, I've gone on to to scan a, a number of YouTubers and podcasters out there, uh, th- and yes. you can find those. I think was that uh, on the on mini me's called? That is correct. Yeah, mini me's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was down in Timonium. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. No, that's fine. But I was down in Timonium, and I had the chance to to meet some. Some friends down there, uh, some other folks that are that are broadcasting. Uh, Rick the Tree, Sparky one hundred seven one hundred seven, Tom of Tom's Trains and Things, uh, a gentleman named the Plumber, uh, Stephen Heath is uh, a gentleman for from a show called Humanity Junction. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing some people, but I've started to get into this whole sort of you know scanning people. I would absolutely love to scan the two of you i think that would be a hoot so we're yeah. gonna have to find a time and a place where we all get together that'd be great um and and so that's really where and you mentioned the moderately agitated mailboy he falls into that whole category of you know <laughs> sort of celebrity scans we'll call them gotcha i just like his whole i like yeah. his i like his demeanor the way he looks like it's just like Absolutely. a you and that kind of those kind of characters like there's a skateboarder the plumber i think his name was um yeah and but but ed the agitated mailboy i think that was was just yeah he'd be fun like you could put him on a dock i could put him on a little street corner just sitting on a crate like that's such a yeah i love that character because it would fit in anywhere in front of the uh sitting in front of the convenience store well you know what's really funny Two things that I've noticed. Real people look like real people. 
uh-huh. and model railroad figures don't look like real people. Right. No. Like not nothing beats the real thing. No, you're right. That makes sense. And it's awesome you're doing off, that. I started off modeling people in software. And software is a pretty crappy way to model people because people aren't symmetrical. They don't stand, you know, symmetrically. Like when you model someone on the computer, it's too perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, left sides match right sides. And in reality, people aren't symmetrical. You know, they're not the way right. you would think they are. So I have found that, you know, you, you actually get a better model railroad figure when you start with a real human being as opposed to your perception of a human being. Right. 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 Sure. I mean, and, the, and the cool thing, so, well, Bernard, that cool kind of goes, is, that kind of goes along with like, um, you know, any of the newer AI tools that you have. I don't know if you've experimented with any of them. Um, my dad and I talked about this a week or so ago, not on the show, just personally, but like the computer, brain an ai brain or whatever you're doing modeling wise not not our type of modeling but like computer modeling is good sure but there there's no substitute for a human inputting that data uh ai is good really weird but not that good the funny thing is that this is the third time that exact conversation has come up in the last 24 hours really three different people it's funny (laughs) yeah because no, it's funny because someone last night, there was a YouTuber, actually it was Heath, uh, on his show, and it was kind of clever. He was asking, you know, there's this new chat AI, mm-hmm. chat bot, that's chat GPT. Uh, artificial intelligence, and that's it. So he, he had a show on, and it was actually quite interesting. He had a show on YouTube last night where his celebrity guest was chat GPT, and he invited the audience to ask the chat bot model railroad questions and some of them were like surprisingly accurate and other ones either were just completely wrong or made up mm-hmm. but it sounded really convincing and yeah. i'd read an article a couple of weeks ago that said you can't really trust chat whatever gpt because he lies like he thinks it sounds very plausible and he thinks he's telling you the truth but you don't really know whether what he's telling you is the truth or what he's telling you is the truth like half the stuff is just made up stuff i, I right. agree it's like if you, it's like if you go to wikipedia and you go to you search for something a lot of that stuff is put in well all of it by humans the details of facts yeah. And it can be changed. I can go in there, you know. Well, some of it. And you change, can Wiki- some Wikipedia has yeah. been locked down for for the most part okay. widely, but but this is okay. not. This is you interacting with a computer. Okay. Yeah. Right. So. And and the, the risk there is with ChatGPT is it sounds very plausible, yeah. But you don't really know whether or not he's citing a report that actually exists. Exactly. Or he just made the whole thing up. Wow. So it's it's really funny that you mentioned that because, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's it's nothing really beats. And I guess the the key point here is people like dealing with people, and nothing really beats. You know, if you're modeling anyway, mm-hmm. the model from reality, model from real people. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, before so, we go any further, 
Uh, I need our listeners <laughs> we here to know. Went, went down the rabbit hole. We did. That, no, but we're we're gonna go there again. I'm sure. But but Excellent. but um, one of the what before we get any further into it, I need to explain to our listeners that had not if you've never been to Mini Prince, and you haven't seen these figures, um, the animals, the people, you go there. Do yourself that favor and go there. You are not going to find, as far as I can tell. In our experience in model railroading, I have not seen or dealt with the quality and detail that you're getting with these figures. Um, in, in no way, shape, or form have I seen anything quite like it. That's why I've been using them now lately, uh, this last couple of weeks, for my diorama. Um, but the, it's, it's definitely unique. It's definitely cool that you can go there. And if, if I need a bear for something in the woods in my thing, I, I could go to Walther's or one of these places and try and find animals. But I'm not, not going to be – if I get the bear, I'm also going to get, like, six deer and a platypus and some other shit, right? But with this, I get, I get the bear, right? And I get it in detail, and that's what I want. I can go through and I can pick out – one animal here, one animal there, one, and I'm not getting a box of animals like some sheep and other things that I'm never going to use. Okay, I get what I want, and the detail is far better quality. So definitely go there. We'll continue and check it out. But um, I just wanted to have that said before we go any further. And, um, well, and we you. get it's, it's we have no cool. endorsement here or any deal other than we're friends with Bernard. But outside of that, you know, it's not like we're promoting his product or anything else i'm well i am out of my experiences with that you know so that's that's what it is it comes because i genuinely feel a, a great about this product so well thank you that's kind and i mean i'm a modeler too so i would right. never ever send anything out that i wouldn't want on my own layout and i'm kind of a little ocd or perfectionist, or I don't know what word you'd use, but you know, I, I, I kind of have high standards for my layout, so I wouldn't want to send something out the door, you know, with my name on it for your layout, you know, right. if I didn't want to put it on my own. Great, you know, and quality is important, and and you can tell, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, now I got a question on one of your products that I did not yes. think I don't think I saw before was the aquatic animals. Is that relatively new? Because I don't recall them, or maybe I just because I wasn't looking for them. I don't remember well, two years ago if the fish were available. I don't remember either, to be perfectly honest. But I can <laughs> tell you that one thing always leads to another. So you know, you'll add in lobsters, and then someone will say, well, can you do crabs? <laughs> and then you'll add in crabs, and then someone will say, like, I had a request for crab pots. So I did mm-hmm. 100 sort of, you know, crab pots for someone. They're not up on the site yet. But um, one thing always leads to another. So my suspicion is, like, I remember we talked about the Loch Ness Monster last time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, I have probably added significant things. The other thing that tends to happen is things get um, reorganized. So, you know, I might have had one aquatic animal, you know, two years ago, but then enough requests came in that it became a category. So I'm always adding and I'm always adding exactly as you said, you're, you're a hundred percent correct. It's based on, you know, people requesting things. Okay. I mean, you just mentioned platypuses. I don't have platypuses. So, you know, <laughs> if that, I, I just if there's a huge market, 
<laughs> you know, if you want a platypus, I'm your guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I was just checking that. Uh, I was, well, I was just yeah, throwing I think something. there is new there. stuff. Yeah. I think yeah. there is new because I remember someone requested manatees because they were doing a Florida scene. And, you know, so I would say they're probably pretty much in every category. There's probably new things, even in some of the original, you know, like birds, for example. Right. Now, that was one of the earliest categories. But, you know, one of the, the most recent birds in there uh, is the California condors. You know, those right. were just added probably within the last six months because I had a request for uh, California condors. Um, wow. You know, I had owls in there before. That was an early one. But that someone specifically requested great horned owls. Right. Know, so those are new. So, you know, there are always, you know, evolutions. You know, I probably had Canada geese two years ago, but then someone will come in and say, can you do flying Canadian geese? Or actually, right. interestingly, someone, someone this week said, you've got Canada geese standing and sitting. You've got Canada geese flying. But can you do a Canada goose, like, you know, with the head down eating grass? Huh. So even if there's an you know, even if there's an existing animal, you know, there's the someone mm -hmm. might want a slightly different version of it. Right. Now, when you go through, when you create this graphic, okay, or you create this figure, let's say the Canadian geese with the head down eating. Yeah. Um, do you go off of photography that you find on something along that lines? Uh, how do you base that? Um, well, yeah, it obviously you're not getting a goose to go research. out there and pose for you, right? The goose well, isn't going you know, out. Anything is. <laughs> no, the geese are pretty nasty, so no. Yeah, I might get yeah. my dog to pose for me, but yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. So for the Canada geese, and I was thinking about that just as an example. Mm -hmm. I'll look at some pictures, but for the Canada geese, because I already have them standing, mm -hmm. uh, and that was one of the very first ones. It's a very early, you know, mini print. It was, you know came, I think it was one of the first requests other than, you know, the beavers were the very first. Um, what I'll probably do is I'll start with the Canada geese standing and then see is there a way that I can tilt the body and elongate the neck. So I'll build off of the existing model okay. and then if that doesn't look right, then I'll have to start from scratch. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. But I'll, so, I'll probably start, I'll start with modifying what I've got. I I don't know if we if talked about this two e two years ago or forgive me for not remembering everything we talked about exactly two years ago. But uh, what is your process basically for um, I say I contact you and I go, uh, hey, Bernard, I would like a <clears throat> whatever. I would like a uh, a fisher. You know, do you guys have fishers up in Toronto? Yeah, they're kind of like weaselly sort of yeah. um, wolverine. They're not type. very common, they're kind but... kind of nasty. Yeah, the... they're kind of like nasty. They're like minks, aren't they? Like yes. little sort of... Yeah. Like long, thin rodent type things. Yes. Yeah. So what I do is I, I email yeah. you and I say, hey, I would like a fisher. I want a fisher because I'm okay. trying to do a fur trapper scene or something. Um, sure. Now... What's your process? And if there's anything proprietary, please don't tell us. But um, yeah, what's kind of your process? The first thing I'm doing right now, uh, first thing I do is I go to Google and I see what a fisher looks like. And I'm like, okay, it's kind of mink-like. It's kind of otter-like. 
Like I'm kind of looking at it and going, okay, number one, have I done it before? No. Number two, what does it look like? Okay, yeah, it's cool. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like a cross <laughs> between a bear and a ma- and a and a, and an otter. It's like no long wonder they have big fantasy. <laughs> it is. It's a weird looking animal. And then I'm thinking, okay, well, is this like a one off, or is there sales potential for it? So right. I'm like, hmm, it's kind of cool. Uh, so I kind of looking at it, thinking, how hard would it be? How common would it be? Would other people want it? Do I have something that looks like it? Right. Interestingly. It's an animal that I have not done, and I'm kind of running out of animals. Okay. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, so it's put a kind spark of in a, his head. I was going to say it's kind of a contender. The other thing I look for is how big it is, right? Right. Because I typically don't really like to do animals that are smaller than one foot. Okay. Because one foot nature scale is pretty small. Yeah. I think so, it's bigger than a beaver, though. I think it was definitely longer. Yes. And then the next question I say is, uh, how many do you want? <laughs> and what's your budget? <laughs> right. Gotcha. But well, yes. no, so I meant more uh, of like, usually, how do you get them into the 3D world without giving away anything that you do? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want you to give away anything, but like, what's the process? Do you, well, are you modeling them or? Sure. Yeah. They're different. They're different ways of doing it. So everything starts, uh, from scratch. I mean, the Good. best way, okay. the fastest way to do it, the fastest way to do it is to scan it. So I don't know whether I probably didn't have it two years ago. I'm pretty sure I didn't, but I was, I forgive me if I told this story two years ago, but I'm really, no, I didn't. I know I didn't because I did this in my new space and I only got my new space a year ago. So we'll talk okay. about that in a minute, but I was taking my garbage out and this was within the last year. And I had one of those big hefty garbage bags in my hand. I'd say it was it was a pre, it was a pretty big one. I'd say it was about you know, uh, it was full, mm-hmm. so maybe two feet by right. two feet by three feet, something like that. And so I'm walking it down the hall uh, to the garbage, and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have garbage bags. That would make an amazing scan. Uh, so I literally plunked my garbage bag down in the middle of my floor. And I pulled out my iPhone and I scanned it. Hmm. And it was that easy. Now, obviously, I had to bring it back into the, you know, the software and, and clean it up and, and, and to clarify it and do all that stuff. To clarify, you have a you have the iPhone Pro with the lidar, right? No, no. Oh. This one at the time was I think the iPhone 10. So there are apps that you can buy that will work just on the iPhone. Um, there are different ways to scan. So right. LiDAR is probably the best, but I think that's iPhone. I don't think 10, the 10 maybe. didn't have it. No, maybe 12 or 13. So LiDAR is an option. Okay. Uh, there is something called photogametry. So photogametry is, there are all sorts of iPhone apps uh, that will do it. Now, that obviously works for something like a garbage bag that you physically have in your hand. Uh, so I was able to turn my Mini Prince trash literally into that's the best. a prototypical Mini Prince <laughs> garbage bag. So it was it was real and it was fast, which is the other thing that's kind of nice. Um, so that's one option. Okay. Uh, the other option is uh, is there public domain? So sometimes you know museums 
Like, I won't print something off Thingiverse. Like, I won't steal a design right. because, you know, that's not that's not ethical. And, you know, sometimes I will find something perfect online and I will ask the, uh, the artist, you know, if I have, you know, if they are open to me um, offering it, you know, and of course I will... Um, was for compensate them, you know? Right, right. So, I mean, I also don't think there's no need to recreate the wheel. If something exists out there uh, that I think is, you know, mini prints worthy uh, that someone's done, you know, uh, there's the possibility that I, you know, I've got a pretty big pipeline right now. You know, there's a lot of traffic to the website. Right. So, you know, on occasion, I've, I've said to someone who has a really fantastic design, you know, I could go recreate it, but but why you've already done it and it's fantastic. So, you know, how about I sell it and, you know, you get a percent of everything that sells. Mm -hmm. So that's an option. Uh, And then there's the other option, which is to start from scratch. Right. And there's a number of software programs out there. uh, Some of which I'm really good at and some of which I'm not. Um, And at this point in the, uh, the business, I actually have people that are designing for me. Gotcha. So in the case of your Fisher, in the case of your Fisher, uh, I would go to uh, one of my my 3D designers and say, let's let's go make a Fisher. Right. Cool. You know, and I would I would I would art direct it. And like, I just don't have time at at this point. There's just such a volume. I mean, it. There, you know, in any I'm bi- not designing everything anymore. In any business, too, you have to decide. You know, where's your time most valuable? And if it's if you can outsource yeah. the designing part and you can spend the time 3D printing, that makes sense. And and it's and that's totally not yeah. like it's a sacrifice in quality. It's just, you know, where are you spending oh, your God, time? No. Yeah, no. exactly. And I love designing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but there's some things that I'm really good at, and there's some things that other people are better at. Hey, so I feel I feel your Fisher, pain. Same thing. Yeah, in the case of the Fisher. Um, I, I know the person I would call tomorrow if you wanted some fishers. So, so that, that's probably no, I think, uh, the route I would go on. I that. think that's good. And I think that's very similar to how some of the kit manufacturers will use guys for instructions or use guys for, um, you know, their, their prototype build outs and things like that. It's no different. It's just, a, you know, different application. Yeah. Um, where I'm really sort of focusing my time right now is uh, the, the 3D scanning of people. Because that's, I mean, part of it too is I do what sort of I want or what excites me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the fish is cool and everything, but I don't think I want to spend... No. <laughs> I just pulled an animal out of thin air. Drawing a fisher. Yeah. Uh, but it's a cool idea. I mean, I like it. Um, uh, there was an animal very recently, kind of like a fisher that someone asked for. And it's... um. It's a javelina, otherwise known as a peccary. Have yeah. you heard of them? Yep. They're kind of like wild pigs. So there, there's a bunch of guys that do a lot of Arizona modeling. Uh, so I had done a lot of sort of southwest desert animals, jackrabbits, um, roadrunners, uh, uh, armadillos, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And then someone said, well, I need some javelinas and i'm like what's a javelina they said a peccary and i'm saying what's "What's a peccary you're not helping me here a wild pig (laughs) a wild pig so that that's kind of an example of an animal that you know like you know like your fisher yeah uh, that you know 
wasn't in the catalog, but you know somebody wanted. Yeah. Now I wasn't. I was um, honestly. But there are lots of programs. I was. I was gonna say originally um, a, a a more common North American animal, but I knew the fisher might either throw you for a loop or it might get you interested. So that's honestly that's why I I picked that. It I got picked me it. interested. It did both. Actually. <laughs> yeah. You, you, so <laughs> double duty. Well, and and the funny thing is, I'm running out of North American animals. So yeah. Uh, so good on you. You found hey, one. You I'm, found a new one. I'm me. glad I could do my part. Um, no, yeah, yeah. But I do find that interesting how you, you know, you're either sourcing those 3D files or you're working on your own or you can scan it or whatever that is. It's interesting because, yeah. you know, that people don't, I don't understand, I don't think people always understand the the complexity behind things that go into before the, you know, the stage before you can even print them. Like there's a lot that goes into yeah. that. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if you're drawing from scratch, uh, you know, you're using a program like Blender or a program like um, uh, Fusion. I mean, it depends what you're drawing, right? Because, I mean, it, drawing sort of a, a mm-hmm. organic shape is very different than drawing like a, a battery box or, right. uh, you know, something like, um, you know, something with lots of square edges and, you know, components, you know, something mechanical. Right. Uh, you know, you could do in something like Tinkercad or, or Blender or Fusion. You know the organic shapes you're going to use, you know different programs. Uh, so it there's no really one size fits all uh, way of drawing something. Right. Well, now that you got all the technical <laughs> stuff out that I was entirely lost with, we lost I him. Actually, I am I am technically uh, challenged when it comes to stuff like that, but I do find it fascinating to listen. And I learned so much uh, listening to Brett with what he does with his job. And, and then, of course, when, when uh, we have a guest like yourself on it, has that technical knowledge of, of what they do. Like that. I find that fascinating as well. Um, I just love looking at all your product and just some of the cool stuff. Like right now, while you were talking, I was perusing uh, the <laughs> website. And I love creepy stuff, as Brett can attest oh, to. Oh, yeah. And um, – I have like creepy doll heads and all kinds of other. Cre- I put some up on our on our Facebook group uh, so people that can check it out. But um, uh, some purchases I made right before Christmas that now don my uh, workbench. Um, and but the scary clowns are something I need oh, to yeah. look into uh, and get under the people. Uh, scary clowns. Oh boy, is something. I'm, did you see them, Brett? Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty cool well, and if you, if you want to see all the creepy stuff go to miniprints.com and then forward slash and then type Halloween oh yeah and if you if you go to miniprints.com slash Halloween uh, then I've collected sort of everything under one page of all the different stuff oh so and this is like an easter the, egg here yeah kind of like uh I kind of put it all in one one easy place. Obviously, around Halloween time, I'm going there now. Here, showing everyone there. So you've got all your creepy stuff. And one thing that was really fun is this year I started to play with something I'd never done before, which is glow in the dark resin. So three D printer resin that actually glows in the dark. Oh, I wow. see that you have your it's glow in the dark ghost. Oh, yeah, and I also did the uh, Undead Rider glow-in-the-dark. So this thing is 
unbelievable. I mean, you can see it balancing on my finger. It's tiny. Yeah. And it's a skeleton on a skeleton horse. And oh, I printed wow. it out in in uh, glow-in-the-dark resin, and it just, like, when you shine a light on it and then turn the lights out, it's, it's crazy. Now, I will say <laughs> one thing. the There are a few things in here, while it is packed full of awesome, creepy things, like my dad's interested in now, all of a sudden, there are some, <laughs> there are some other things like vultures, owls, ravens, um... Yeah, even bats. even jack o' lanterns or headstones that you could yeah. use in a modern setting, uh, you know, not, not a oh, modern yeah. setting, but like a, a, a normal city scene. But then if you Anywhere. do, if you want to throw in some yeah. creepy stuff, hey, that's fun too. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I've really gotten into that was new since the last time we spoke is I'm totally into trying to figure out how to put LEDs in everything. So I've got a whole line of things I, I see that mini lights. Yeah, so there's a whole line. There's probably a page two if you go to miniprints.com slash minilights, M-I-N-I-L-I-G-H-T-S. So pretty much everything at miniprints has the word mini in front of it. Okay. So minilights was a whole little sort of product line I did where I was trying to figure out how to put like flickering LEDs into things. So I did televisions. I did fires like a dumpster fire, a fire burn barrel jack-o'-lanterns. I even lit like uh, a railroad lantern, a pot belly stove. So um, I'm not really into, I haven't sort of wrapped my head around the whole animation with Arduino. I mean, I played with it a little bit, but I love sort of figuring out how to animate things with light. And I think my favorite in all of those is the campfire because it's, I've got a video up on there and it's just so effective. Now, like it, it looks completely realistic. Does the yeah. uh, and I might know this by clicking into it if I had read this, but just for our listeners, if I were to buy a campfire or the burn sure. barrel, everything comes supplied, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So now the campfire, I didn't. The campfire, I didn't include the wood because I figure everyone's got twigs, yeah. right? And I'm not into modeling. Like one of my rules is don't model things in 3d print that look better in real life in the real world so like i could 3d print some wood some wooden logs Mm -hmm. but like why don't you just go to the garden and snip some pieces of wood yeah it's gonna look better right Right. so this is cool you can order it you can order this and it comes unpainted but when you hook it up Boom, now you have a fully functional, like the fire burn barrel. I like the guy, he's warming his hands. He's kind of working on like yeah. a, a dockside or a seaport shipping area. He's warming his hands by the burn yeah. barrel. That's awesome. And okay, it comes. So how, good, yeah, and how good do you have to be with electronics <laughs> to get the thing to wire? No, no, nothing. It's, it's, it's all done. It's all done. So basically, and for the fire burn barrel, for example, the fire barrel's already painted. So the figure that comes with it isn't. Ah. But the actual barrels painted, the LEDs installed, like basically you just hook the LED up to anything from 7 to 19 volts, AC or DC. So you, you could hook it right. up to a 9-volt battery or you could hook it up to your, you know, your auxiliary power line. pack. Yeah. Yeah, or even track power even. I mean, it's right. you know, it goes up to 19 volts AC so or DC. So to, I'll, Bernard, I'll answer that in my to help my dad a little bit. Um Everything we have, I'm not an electrician. everything we have, Dad, I can hook it up to that. 
Cool. Um, if and, and like what Bernard was saying, if you're already running some power, whether it's from the Woodland Scenics power packs or um, anything, any of the other lighting part, you know, the lighting people that are out there, or even like, if I understood you correctly, you can get on Amazon and we can buy the little um, nine volt battery adapters and run a few sure. of these off of that probably. Yeah, and I mean, it really depends how you want it to be um, hooked up. Like on my layout, uh, what I did with one of them is I actually hooked it up to, I was playing around with Arduinos at one point, mm-hmm. and I had bought a, uh, it's, I think it was called a PIR sensor, so it was a proximity sensor. So when someone walked within a foot of the sensor mounted on the fascia, uh-huh. it actually then triggered the animation. So you can have these things on your layout, and if they're hooked up and they have a proximity sensor on them, they won't actually start flashing until someone either walks to it or presses a button or does something. Oh, very cool. Yeah. See, and I asked that question. Okay, go ahead. No, I just think a lot of people do sound that way. You know, you'll you'll walk in front of a scene, and there'll be something that'll trigger, you know, the oh, sounds cool. of crickets chirping or you know, oh yeah 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 like that's, that. a, that's great well i asked the question about how easy they are to hook up because when people i know that there might be a lot of listeners out there like me that uh when they when they they're intimidated by the thought of having to do a whole lot about you know um some some of the more difficult parts of wiring and things and <laughs> i know there's some i know there's some wiring or some lighting products that are out there that do require more um you know more intricate knowledge of the you know, circuits and whatnot and uh and so i just want to know if it's something that well, obviously it's not it's not something that they should be intimidated by so that's cool i wouldn't think so i mean if you can ro- wire a um a layout yeah you know if you can figure out how to get track power to to a track you should mm-hmm. be right. able to deal with this it's it's pretty cool. pretty easy yeah awesome just for the nice. record that's the part i'm i'm worst at electrical like that's the part i hate the most yeah I'm me great too. with bench work i'm great with scenery i can't stand electrical it's it's the one part of model <laughs> railroading like i'm i am absolutely living for dead rail right <laughs> you know the minute the minute we can get the power into the locomotive and off the rails is, is a happy day for me <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, either yeah, way, that it's, would be it's, really nice. It's cool that you're figuring out ways to now um, animate your 3D prints for everybody, too. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all part of innovation, right? Because uh, the world's changed in the last two years. So, um, number one, you know, I think as we talked about a couple of years ago, I get bored easily and I get distracted, you know, by squirrels, you know, like, <laughs> like your beagle, you know. Yep. Every time something shiny goes by, it's like squirrel. Oh yeah. So, but part of it is, you know, I wouldn't have a company if I just sort of, you know, designed a bunch of birds and stood still for two years, you know, because, you know, it's the world's getting more competitive, and you know, there there are other options out there. So I'm I'm always trying to come up with new ideas, something that people might not have seen before, or things that, you know, are a little bit different, or or things that I just want for my own layout, or that are fun for me to make. Right. Yeah. Huh. Well, one of the things that or, I'm going know, to order. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I said or requests. You know, I mean, somebody yeah. saw the dumpster fire. You know, I did the dumpster fire because you know, let's face it, 
you know, 21, 22, the last couple of years have kind of been a dumpster fire. Yeah, they have. So I did the dumpster fire because, you know, I thought it was funny. <laughs> and then someone said, well, can you just take that, um, that 3D printed flame and just make a campfire? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That's awesome. Well, I am going to order some fish. <laughs> I oh, knew I, I knew it. the fish interested him when the he brought fr- it the up. freshwater fish and the uh, fish uh, that are the trout, salmon, and pike. I'm not sure which I'm going mm-hmm. to order. I might order both. But out of my waterfall that I recently did, I have an eagle yes. who is now uh, getting. And I got that idea from a photo off your website, but um, I got this eagle extracting a fish. From the water in flight, and I am going to ha- take one of the other three eagle, other three eagles, the one that is more like standing, not with his legs spread, uh, his legs, his wings spread, his legs are spread. Yes. <laughs> Jeez, Dad, Anyhow. going dark quick. <laughs> but uh, his wings are spread, not not that one, the other one is, and I'm going to have him sitting on a nearby rock in the same waterfall. Uh, with some fish on the rock, and uh, that he is uh, in the process of destroying and eating. So I'm going All to right, do well, that. That's mm-hmm. fine. I will sell you some fish on one condition. What's that? Well, we have to have a little conversation about how you affix things uh, before spray painting. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. The eagle was a mess. Okay. He, you know what? I love that awesome. story. Yeah. I love that story, and I'll tell you why. Because I am now going to go to market with the following advertising campaign. <laughs> that our birds are so prototypical <laughs> that they even fly. <laughs> <laughs> they just need a little gust of wind or spray paint under their wings. That's right. I our, couldn't believe that. Oh. So it's realistic. So... They're aerodynamically accurate. <laughs> well, that's what happened. He... You basically, you, you created lift with your spray paint, and he basically <laughs> flew away. He did, and he apparently went to a safe spot because when he fell, and I, I spent all that time looking for him, and I went and put him back, and he was sitting on top of the trash can lid. And I'm like, oh, my God. Gosh, and he wasn't broken. He wasn't broken. That was, like, the the best part. And I was... I was frustrated and mad, and and you ha- if, if anybody is had not seen la- or sorry listened to last week's episode where we talked about the eagle, I'm not going through the whole story again, per se, as just explain. Go to that, listen to it, and you'll understand where I'm going today. Is my frustration? My frustration level was when I find it, I'm gonna. I feel like I want to smash it, but you know, it wasn't. You know, the fault of the thing, it was just, I'm frustrated trying to look for it. I'm also freezing outside. It's cold. Um, I'm in a t-shirt and a pair of slippers and, uh, you know, and, and, a, and a sweatpants. And that's it. And, uh, you know, the longer you're out there in the cold, the worse it gets, the matter I'm getting. My flashlight batteries went out. Uh, I had to replace them. I'm going to come back outside again. And, uh, and then when I found it, my whole attitude changed. I felt like I felt better than when they came in the mail and I was excited. I was more excited. I was more excited when I found this eagle than I was when any of the things I bought to to start putting this uh, this part of our diorama together. I I was excited that excited because I found this little itty bitty eagle. And uh, well, I'm glad you found it. And <laughs> and if it makes you feel any better, 
Uh, mm-hmm. I'll tell you two things. One, I would have happily replaced it if, if you didn't find it because it is a hobby and it's supposed to be fun. So the standard mini prints uh, <laughs> guarantee is that if you break it, you know, if it arrives broken, obviously I replace it for free. Sure. I pay the postage. Right. Uh, but if you, if you drop it, I mean, I had, I had a gentleman the other day, uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, contact me and said, listen, it's totally my fault. I dropped a bottle of paint on one of the mini prints. I smashed it. I said, no problem. Uh, if you break it, lose it, drop it, smash it, whatever. Mm-hmm. I will happily replace it for free. Uh, the only thing I ask is that you just cover the postage. If you right, spray right. it so, a mile across your yard with a can of spray paint. Then I will happily replace <laughs> it. The other thing I will tell you, if it makes you feel any better, is I've done the exact same thing with birds. As a matter of fact, it turns out that 3D printed birds uh, have about the same flight characteristics as real birds. <laughs> because this... This summer, um, I have an employee now. So one of the new things over the last two years is I moved out of the house. I got a commercial space. I have a a full-time employee now. And uh, we're in this really neat brick building. It's a whole other story. I'll tell you about the building sometime if you're interested. (laughs) Yeah. But the short story is we're in this new beautiful railroad-served brick building in an industrial part of Toronto. But it was a really hot summer like a super hot summer. Like we're talking like hundred plus degree Fahrenheit days in oh this goodness. old brick building. So, and we're on the second floor and it's like an oven in there. So I've got these fans going everywhere. Well, my employee, Brat is snipping all his name's Brett? eagles. And Brat, yeah. Oh. E-T-T. Well, hey. Yeah. As one Brett to another Brett, I approve of that hire. <laughs> there you go. Well, Brett's a great guy. As a matter of fact, the fire burn barrel that you were looking at, that's a 3D scan of Brett. Okay. So the gentleman in front of the barrel holding his hands out, Brett modeled that for Perfect. Him. So that's Brett meet Brett. Perfect. Yeah, there you awesome. Go. So you've just met him. Yeah. <laughs> you can get a mini Brett for your layout. So, so Brett is snipping uh, seagulls, and he walks by one of my rotating fans, and probably like a hundred seagulls snipping and these things are tiny get lifted up by the the fans because it's a thousand degrees in there and they all go flying everywhere (laughs) (laughs) so so, yeah so i've been there uh it turns out that our animals are very prototypically aerodynamic uh and uh, i feel your pain well i have another Funny story, I've told no one. I've not even told Brett this. Oh, wow. I can't so, wait. Okay. Yes. And this Ooh, is involving a mini print. So, I had, you know, I did paint the deer. I put them up on the Facebook uh, with the, uh, yep. I, I had one deer that I, I had a couple deer that I bought. I don't know who made the things. They're one of the Bachmans or somebody like that. They had deer. The, the one deer I painted has the deer's head down drinking out of the water uh, off the stream. And I did, I, I wanted, I needed to do that. That was important to me because it was a stream and I wanted to add some wildlife to it. But the, I had, and the reason I did that was I wanted to have, if you ever notice with deer, when one is drinking or eating, the buck usually uh, is, or, or um, I chose a buck, but the other deer are looking out for them 
until they and then when they they lift their head up when they're done, they look out for the other one while they eat. Um, it's a sure. you know, right. So um, I wanted to have the buck that you had sent me before. I had a buck and I had never painted it. He's been in a box and I was all set to use my mini print buck. And uh, I had him already. He was going to go with that other one, the, the doe that was uh, drinking the water. And I had it all, I, you know, exactly what I did is what I had planned in my head. So I, I had him. I primered him. I was all excited. I primered up the buck. And yeah, I mean, you have to be gentle with these things, especially with them because of their yep. antlers. And, and, well, not just their antlers, as you'll hear. So I use a cork. Okay, and I put two-sided transfer tape on there, the 3M transfer tape. I stick it on top of the cork and peel it off, and it's perfect. And I can just stick my object, what I'm painting, or the small, onto that cork. And I use it to hold it in my hand and turn it and manipulate it while I paint. Well, I went to stick that deer, the mini print deer, uh, the buck. On, I was putting him onto the cork, and I'm trying to make sure he's stuck on... And I pressed down too hard, and all four of his legs Uh-oh. snapped off at the kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that, Brent, did you? No. <laughs> they all four, so all four legs snapped off, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, it's well, ruined. You know. So, so, so here's the good news. Yeah. The good news is you've already said you're gonna you're gonna order some more things. Make a note in the order that you need a replacement uh, box. And I will include it, no charge, uh, in your next order. So oh, you'll no, have no. it. I, now you can I, I already choose one. to put it somewhere. <laughs> What's that? No, no. I already bought one from you. <laughs> and you sent it to oh, me okay, just a couple got. weeks ago. And, uh, well, and you could, okay, well, then I'll send you another one. So you have okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, that'll be good. And, and, and but anyhow, I also, it wasn't I about that. One. I didn't want to bug you about that. We just like yeah. having you on and your friend. And, and uh, so sure. it wasn't a big deal. Uh, but it was no, just no, funny because no, I... I wanted to get it done, right? And I wanted I wanted yeah. to do this part of it and get it done and paint it. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't have it. I don't want to bug Bernard for it. So, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to go dig in that box with the Bachman stuff, and I'm going to get the other deer. They had another deer. I thought it was a deer anyways. But I worked with some guys that were avid hunters. And so I go back into – I leave my office, go back to the warehouse. I'm talking to these guys, oh. and I'm like, hey. Yeah, what do you think about this thing? And they're like, that's not a deer, that's an elk. Okay, because they're just like a puffy chest thing with this, like a giant beard coming down off his chest. And they said, that's an elk. We could tell by the shape of his horns. And I'm like, oh, man. So I said, well, okay, then I'll just order. I was going to just paint him and get it done. And then, well, what if I trim his, his horns in a certain way to make it look like a deer? <laughs> and they're like, no, man, unless you, like, sand down the front of his chest. And I'm like, I'm not doing that, you know. These are no. deer hunter guys, right? So that's when I yeah. ordered it. And I was like, and, and I'm so glad I did. It, he he turned out awesome. You know, they look great. Oh, the paint job is fantastic. Oh, now, you. I've got a tip for you. I've got, mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, the I like Bernard's top tips. So sure. um, the, the tip of the day, because I've used the double-sided... Uh, sticky tape as well, mm-hmm. and you're right that sometimes you know it's a little hard to uh, to get things up and and off. So I've moved. I use the same thing you do. Instead of a cork, I use like a, a wooden dowel, like I just trim, you know, like a broom handle type thickness. Yeah. So about the same thickness as a cork, uh, and I 
paint the same way you do. But I've started to use, do you know what blue tack is or fun tack? The little sort of blue putty that you yeah. use to stick yeah, it Yeah, I have some of that actually. Yeah. Okay, so I usually just create a tiny little ball of that and then press it flat with my thumb. And that's what I use to stick my mini prints to my corks or my dowels. Oh, cool. Okay. So I have that, a whole that box poster of that stuff. putty. Yeah. yeah. So that poster putty, the nice thing about it is it's super sticky, but you mm-hmm. can actually embed things in it. So if you were to take your deer, for example, uh-huh. and press all four legs into that um, blue tack, poster putty, fun tack, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, you're literally sort of pressing it into something that's got a bit of give to it, yeah. so you won't snap it. Oh, okay. Well, that's great, because so he snapped I've three of the knees, and he looked like yeah. a midget deer. And because I was... Modeled, because, you've just modeled roadkill. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say the other thing... I, the so, other, I was so disappointed. The other thing... With myself. The other thing you could have done, Dad, is um, just had him standing in the water like he was, you know, up to his well, first knee. I did knee. that. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I, I took him and I, I, laid him, I put him in the water in like a deeper section. I was like, no, man, he wouldn't look like that. He wouldn't look like that. It, it just didn't look normal. It, and it bothered me, you know. I was like, ah, oh, man, it just. I was like, maybe I can still use him. And then I, I went to put him in the water and then his horns broke. Or his uh, antlers broke. <laughs> I was like, I oh, mean, he's he, this thing is like he's a, he's a hospital case now, right? So that's that night I got online. I just ordered the other one and um, the, the new one. But it's well, cool because now I had the whole tra- set of deer. You know. Yeah. Try some of the fun tack or blue tack or you know the the poster putty, whatever whatever they call it. Yeah, I've right. got LePage brand, but I'm sure it comes in all sorts of different brands. But it's a reusable adhesive. You know, you use kids use it to stick the posters up on the walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been very effective for me for when right. I'm you know holding people or things onto a painting surface. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely gonna do that. I have it sitting right here, in my right in front of me right now, actually. Uh, so that's cool. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That'll work out good. And then I I also painted the Santa Clauses <laughs> at Christmas time. Uh, I the saw two Santa that. Claus. Uh, I I was going to put them on the layout. Uh, on the big layout down at Brett's house for our granddaughters and have, have both the girls try and find him, like a Where's Waldo somewhere on our monster layout. That'd be fun. You know? But uh, it didn't do that because I hadn't been down there since and because, uh, you know, we got busy with the holidays and stuff, but I'm planning to get down there again here in the next uh, week or two. So uh, we will probably do that one with the girls and yeah. the Santa Clauses. Yeah. So. But uh, they'll be great. That to me is the fun part. I I love painting these. And and people always ask me, you know, um, will you paint them for me? And I'm like, no, sorry. Like, I don't have time. It's, you know, it's it's fun, fun, but it is time consuming. So so mini prints do get sold unpainted for the vast majority. There are a few things that I've started to to sell painted, you know, Mm -hmm. so like, you know, for example, like a a tire pile, you know, I'll give it a shot yeah. of black or, you know, or, right. or the things that are lit, like the TVs and the barrels, you, sure. know, you have to paint those because you can't, you can't really paint them once they're assembled. So, right. so I'd say that a few mini prints come painted, but the vast majority are, are unpainted. And when people say, well, you know, why? And I'm like, because that's the fun part. And, you know, like <laughs> it's getting your hands dirty. This is not um, ready to run, you know, right. it's, it's, 
like you there's know, plenty of there's plenty of there's plenty of figures that come pre-painted and i think the exactly. i think the point of buying these the way that you create them half the fun of it is painting them and yeah yeah it's like you buy a craftsman kit you don't buy a craftsman kit assembled you buy a craftsman kit so you can assemble it yeah in right. a way right. like in a way bernard in the building in a way bernard these are craftsmen detail parts i mean these are craftsmen detail parts you're not Absolutely. buying mass produced um they're not coming off an assembly line where you know they're doing an injection molding of ten thousand people at a time you know you're right. doing you're doing you're doing what a lot of our other guests are doing in the modeling community but in a 3d printed world so that's exactly correct brett yeah exactly you nailed it because it's it's not, it's not like each one of these are literally handcrafted. Like, you know, like Brett or I are sort of snipping them and, you know, cleaning them up. And I mean, there's a lot of care and handwork that goes into each. It's, it's right. a great analogy. I love it. Yeah. You're, $10, you're $10 can buy you a dozen or more, or even on eBay, you could probably find for $10, a hundred, uh, HO scale figures in a big bulk pack, but it's not the, they're not built or created or, like you said, hand snipped with the same level of detail yeah. that these parts would be. So you're really, you're really like, you are the fine scale 3D printer. You're you're doing it in a different manner than a lot of other detail parts would be done. Right. On the mass scale. Exactly. And I, I had a, I had a, <laughs> I had a guy called me and he said, um, I need your advice. I'm like, okay, what? He said, listen, I, I know, I know. Don't say anything. But I bought some stuff from China. <laughs> bought some 3D prints. Uh, from I did China. that. Go ahead. I want to hear. And this. he said, he, "Okay." So he said, "I just need your advice." He said, "There's some sort of liquid oozing from them." And oh, I said, "Ooh." God. I said, "The minute you use the word ooze, that's never a good thing." <laughs> I said, what do you mean? There's li- what do you mean? <laughs> I said, "What do you mean? There's liquid oozing from them?" He said, "Well, they're they're sticky." How should I clean them? And I said, so you're telling me you just bought 3D printed parts from China that are oozing a sticky liquid. And he said, yeah. And I said, I think you might want to just toss those. (laughs) I said, I have no idea how toxic that stuff is. I don't know. You know, like, you know, I said, you could toss it in a vat of isopropyl alcohol or rubbing alcohol and give it a swish. I said, but honestly, like that, you know, like we're not going to send something out the door that's oozing. Like yeah. that's <laughs> scary. That's you know? concerning. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah. I ordered definitely... this. Mm-hmm. I ordered uh, the What's Chinese off of eBay years, a bunch of years ago when we first started getting back into this. I ordered a pack of, they were cheap, uh, from, from China. Oh, yeah. You were proud of how Some... cheap they were. You're, yeah, like, they were, you're like, they were like Brett. I got a thousand. I got a thousand figures. No, it wasn't a thousand. It wasn't a thousand. or five hundred. Whatever. It was, it was a lot. No, it was a hundred. A hundred. All right. All right. Hundred figures. Uh, Ho scale. It said blah blah blah. And I got them. And hey, they weren't oozing or anything. They were. They were like the ones you get from same material, injected, molded like prizers, whatever. Okay, but right. they were a crap. I mean, they were awful. And and they had the, 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 there was no facial expressions on the people. The the the, the clothing had no de- detail to them uh, other than shape. And on top of that, 
They weren't even HO skill. They were like one one hundred <laughs> skill. They were like halfway so between N and they HO. Like midgets. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, mean, it, I, should, I guess midgets isn't the correct. No, word. Dad, I mean, we don't say they that. Were little people. We, is it little people? Yeah, this it's is the part people. of the show where we have to correct exactly. my dad on what to not say. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, they not feel that. appropriate. Yeah, they yes, they yes. were they were yes. they were like halfway between N and HO scale though. They were just a yeah. odd scale. Very oh, strange. Man, I can't put them with it. It's like the dwarves are like the, they're like they're like the elves. It's like they're like elves. You know, it was <laughs> awful. You bought Christmas elves. Yeah, Christmas yeah. elves. <laughs> yeah, they were just terrible. I still have them. I, I have them. sometimes when you so get do them, I. It's just absolutely horrible. You have to hold on to them because it's it's more of a hey, this is a reminder never to order these kind of things again. It's a it's you, a it's a punishment. Them. You're not allowed to throw yeah. them out because this is how bad of a decision that was. Right. If I ever decide to make like an airplane disaster or something like that, maybe I'll use them and spread them around. I don't know. Perfect. But it's a <laughs> the Donner Party. We can do the Donner Party. Yeah, Donner Party. <laughs> but well, uh, and that's why I love. That's why I love this whole new sort of world that I'm that I'm getting into of the of the 3D scan people because mm-hmm. the detail is unbelievable. I mean, I 3D scanned um, my neighbor. In, in the unit I'm in now. So my neighbor is uh, uh, a potter. And um, I've come out with this new line of figures called Don't Push Me Because I'm Close to the Edge. Yes, it, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of a bit of fun, you know, with apologies to Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I thought, you know, I, I was just thinking, you know, I, I, well, the whole thing started because I was having a conversation with someone about the whole flat earth thing. Mm-hmm. And I won't go into that other than. Oh, please, um, <laughs> Bernard. We will have another, we can have a whole other podcast about that if you want. <laughs> okay, well, well, in my world, uh, the earth is round. Uh, however, I will definitely. Um, uh, concede that while the earth might not be flat, our layout certainly are. So yes. I thought, how much fun would it be if you know I took the edge of the layout and started modeling it as the edge of the world? And it's kind of fun because when you think about it, like the layout edge, like you've got your, your scenery up to the edge, then you've mm-hmm. got your fascia, but there's never any acknowledgement that there's this sort of void, right? So Everybody that lives in wow. our you know, very realistic 3D you know, layout world is really living on a flat earth. And there is like, you know, there is this sort of like end of the world to our layouts. So I started creating these little figures that I could put on the edge of the layout. That's a sort of like, you know, a little guy, little guy peering over the edge, like, you know, what's down there? Or, you know, um, I'm, I scan my neighbor, Laura. And I have her like sitting on the edge of the layout you know, with her feet dangling over, right? So I'm having a lot of fun creating this whole little world of people that can sort of live on the edge. That's yeah. a really deep like thought, though, Bernard, where the people who we put on our on our layout in our cities, they don't realize if if you would if you would think of it almost like the Beetlejuice layout from the movie, you know? Um, totally. They don't realize there's some. We're creating a world for them. We're like this. We're like when when you play The Sims and the Sims character doesn't realize there's a world outside. Totally. And and yeah. to 
extend that world like they're looking at something beyond your layout is actually really I've never thought about that till you said that like that's a really a cool thought like what's out there well it's kind of fun so I created three figures my first one close to the edge number one is my friend Steve Geranix and uh-huh. he's kind of peering over the edge and it's called Terra Incognita which is what they used to write on old maps uh-huh. you know like when it's like you know like when there were monsters at the edge of the world like you know this is the land that's unknown so that was that was my first one and then I started just sort of thinking about what comes next so then the second one close to the edge two that's Brett again so Brett modeled that one <laughs> and he I kind of I have him there with like um a spyglass kind of peering out into the great unknown. And I call that one here, there be monsters because it's kind of like, you know, the old sea captain. That's my favorite one. You know, kind of sees, sees a monster out in the distance. And so I kind of think that's kind of fun, you know, cause he's kind of peering out into the, uh, the great abyss. And then for, for the third one, for close to the edge three, that's my neighbor, Laura. And she's kind of living on the edge. So she's kind of like, she doesn't know what's out there, but she's chill about it because she's right. just kind of like hanging out, you know, with her feet swinging over the edge, kind of thinking about, you know, oh yeah. Like yeah. there's a, I don't know what, what's, what's like a 50 inch drop in, in HO scale. You know, it's like, you know, it's like yeah. probably taller than the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> I like these though, because, no. because you can use them to extend your scene past your physical layout boundary, but then you can also buy him like, you can also buy him like the close to the edge one where he's peering over the edge. My dad could use that on the waterfall uh, or the spillway that he's creating. Like it's just a guy watching the water rush by. Exactly. Like none of these have to put be on your, on your edge or your layout. They're just, they're just kind of fun poses. Like, and I'm getting such like the unbelievable realism that I'm getting on these figures like, uh, did I post it? No, I didn't post it. It's too bad. I got to post it up for, for the Laura figure, the third one, mm-hmm. close to the edge three. Right. Um, I did a little painting experiment where uh, I love experimenting with different techniques. So I took the same figure uh, and um, I primed them with my, my Krylon. I always prime with the same. I think we talked about it last time, the, mm-hmm. the flat camo. Khaki Pryland. But then for one of them, I just started painting over top of the the spray, so the base coat. And then for the other two, uh, for one of them, I used a an oil-based wash just to settle in all the crevices. And then for the third one, I just did a standard black, like a pin wash, before I started painting it. So I wanted to highlight all the detail on the base figure before I actually started to apply paint. So it's just a bit of an experiment, a painting experiment. And I could not freaking believe this is an HO scale. I could not believe the detail. You could see every facial detail, every fold in the clothing, like the fidelity that you're getting from like one to one scale down to 187. It blew my socks. It just blew my mind. I was Blown away. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's it super just cool. unbelievable. My favorite one, like, though, never model that. My favorite one, probably the most realistic scene, and there's, 
I want to know why you made this one, Bernard, is the Bernard Crashes His Drone limited edition. (laughs) (laughs) That happened, geez, that's about a year ago. So I think that might have been in, that was probably March or April of this year. And I crashed my drone for the first time, <laughs> and I've been flying. I've been flying. <laughs> I've been flying drones for about four years now, and I, I do have my license. So uh, I have three different drones. One is big enough that has to be licensed. Two are um, small enough that you don't need a license. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same in the states, but it is it's sub two hundred and fifty grams. Yeah, it's very similar. Very similar. Yeah. So after two and a half years of flying as a licensed drone pilot, you can read about this, I finally met a tree. Uh, and it was just a rookie move. Um, I was, my new Mini Prince World Headquarters uh, is right near a rail line. Actually, I'm in the middle of what's called the Junction Triangle. So I've got rail lines on all three sides of me. I'm in the middle of a triangle uh-huh. surrounded by trains. <laughs> And I was uh, doing a video, which you can actually see. I think I posted it on my YouTube channel. And I was flying backwards. And I kind of was not paying proper attention. (laughs) And I hit the one tree. There's like every tree in the entire neighborhood is like, you know, 40 feet. I hit the one tree that was like 120 feet. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't paying attention. So uh, I figured if I'm going to, and, and, you know, everyone knew about it. I posted about it. And, you know, I showed the video and it was, it was a thing. So I figured, okay, shit, now, now I need to go buy a new drone. So I thought, <laughs> what the hell, I'll sell limited editions. I think I only had, I think I did 20 of them, something like that. I, I forget mm-hmm. of the painted ones. It was a limited edition. I forget how many I made available. I think there's still some available, but I, I said, you know, I'm going to do a limited edition. Uh, I'm going to commemorate it and I'm going to, uh, you can buy it unpainted in which case it's, it's cheap or you can buy it painted in which case it's more expensive and I'll use that money to buy a new drone. And uh, <laughs> people really liked it. I'm surprised. I didn't think it would sell, but I, I sold a bunch of them. That's so cool. So it helped I'll, me, I'll it helped it out, me buy a new drone. And everyone laughed. <laughs> I mean, everyone thought it was freaking hilarious. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Now, what, yeah, what's and I co- used a little bit of sort of like a little bit of fishing wire, like rigid fishing wire. Yeah, to literally yeah. suspend the drone over my head. So it's, it's Yeah, I was just going to ask that. You just answered my question. That's yeah. so cool. So it, think of it as like fishing line, but it's it's a it's a thicker, more rigid. It's actually what it is is um, fiber optic. Oh, okay, line. yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd yeah. be nice. I just fit. I needed a clear. I needed something that was clear, like fishing line, but right. rigid like wire. And uh, the fiber optic, yeah, that's uh, perfect cable. I don't know what you'd call it. Just worked. Yeah. 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 That is so cool. But that's now, exactly the kind of stuff I like doing, right? Because that's fun. Like, yeah. where are you going to find that anywhere else, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's so... Well, not even that, but like Banjo Joe or uh, ATV Rider. I've never seen any of these elsewhere. So, you know, it's it's a lot They're of... truly unique. It's unique. Yeah. You know? The Father's yeah, Day yeah. one. Well, the I Father's mean, Day one's awesome, too. That's a cool one. That was actually modeled off a photograph someone sent me. 
Nice. So that one, now that one, so someone sent me a photograph because every year I do like a Father's Day post and promotion. And so a guy sent me, um, and it's it's all on my Facebook page. So actually I do have an ask. Uh, I will ask one thing of your listeners. Uh, If you want to see what I'm up to, oh, the picture is actually right there. Actually, uh, it's right there. So if you go to the Father's Day limited edition, Mm -hmm. if you click on the second photograph, uh, James Adeney, A-D-E-N-E-Y, 2022. So he sent me this picture, and this is him and his dad. Uh, And he said, can you make this scene for me? Right? Yeah. I'm glad I posted that. So this is the picture he sent me. I said, yeah, I can come up with something similar to it. I didn't actually, back when I did this, I didn't 3D scan it, so I modeled it. And you can see, it looks great in HO scale, but you can see that it it looks modeled. It's not the same as a body scan. I mean, I could even perhaps go back and redo this as a body scan. I mean, it's fine. Like, you Mm -hmm. can see it in HO scale. It looks great. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with it. But it's definitely... um, you have a lot of the polygons uh, that are visible. Uh, I'm sure as it yeah, as it grows exactly. in scale, more of that's visible. But HO scale and even I would guess maybe you'd never see it. Yeah, maybe even yeah. you could stretch it with S scale. I'm not sure, but um, well, and the other thing too is it's you can see the polygons in the picture. It doesn't really print like no. that. It doesn't show when right. it prints. Yeah, right. yeah, not not that bad. Which anyway. is why it's yeah. better probably for you to post the painted finished print versus the versus a mock-up because people are going to see the mock-up and go whoa that's with all these polygons on the face and why is it going to look like that and then when you print stuff even when i print stuff on our limited capacity here with our 3d printer that stuff never shows up exactly and you know it's true and that's why i try and uh post everything painted because i think that there there's a lot of people that will post well, okay, so there are two things that really sort of bug me about the industry. There are a lot of people that post the 3D file, and it looks either really, really good or really, really bad. Uh, if you just look at it sort of like the picture of the actual sort of screen capture, uh-huh. it never looks like that when you print it out. So I always feel like you should show a picture of the actual printed piece and I always like to show a picture of the actual printed thing that comes off the printer painted because I think that's the most realistic way to show it because, oh, yeah. you know, then you're really seeing what you get. The other thing, too, is I always print and paint things in HO scale. And a lot of times I've seen people, you know, they'll print out like the O scale because it's easier to paint. Yeah. And they'll paint it and then they'll photograph it. And then you think you're getting this like absolutely beautiful, paintable, detailed thing, and then it arrives in HO scale, and of course, it's it's tiny. So I, I always try and be as honest and transparent. You know, sure. most people. The reality is, most people model in HO scale. So when I'm sort of printing something out and painting it, I always try and work in that scale. Right, right. I just think it's more honest. Yeah. I, I like to sh- I like to show it the way it's really going to arrive. And, that, and that's right. so cool. And I don't think there's anybody that's going to be able to go to your website, pull it up, and go, eh, oh, no. Right. And not be wow. I know because I went to one of the guys I work with, uh, one of the same guys that's a hunter, 
And uh, he does modeling, uh, kind of like Jason does. He does some modeling along the lines of um, uh, the, the sci-fi stuff. Okay, the bigger scale oh, right, sci-fi yeah. stuff. And he's really into that now. And uh, he's he's actually pretty good at it. And uh, well, anyways, we were talking at work and I pulled up the site. This is when we were looking at the deer and, and I was asking him the questions about the deer. Um, he used to work at Bass Pro Shops and run under uh, one of their departments in there for many years and uh, before he came to work for us. So I knew this guy knows his stuff. That's why I went to him. And anyhow, he pulled it up and um, he was, you know, he knows it's HF scale. It's not what he works with, but he's like, that's absolutely insane. And it is instantly he said that. And you're going to get that pretty much with everybody that's going to go to your site. I mean, even modelers, you know, we, we've been modeling for a long time. We, we model um, all of us, you know, the, a lot of the people that you have, that you made figures of model it. And if we are uh, those people that you, you know, that you said came from other podcasts and stuff that do model rotary and Tom's trains and things, every, every one of us in this, in this hobby um, that have been doing it for a long time and are, are fairly decent at it. We, we go there and see it and I'm, we're wild. Everybody's still wild. They love that stuff. So you're not going to get somebody that goes, eh, that's some, that's, that's not really all that good. You're not going to get that. That's what's, that's what's well, so special about, about this for you. you know? I got to tell you, I'm having, I'm three years in, it'll be four years in April, April 1st, believe it or not. And I, I'm having as much fun, if not more fun now than when I started. And, and that's the best part of the business, right? It is. If you can yeah. still love this, it's got to be the best part is that you love doing it, you know? Well, and every now and then, you know, it's like coming up with something new. Like um, if you go under vehicles, um, one of the things, there's a ton of new, like vehicles. I'd say vehicles, objects, and people mm -hmm. are probably the three areas that have grown the most mm -hmm. Yes, uh, since, you know, since we last talked. And uh, a couple of the projects, like, uh, doing the mobile homes mm -hmm. was just so much fun. And yeah. uh, my wife is uh, really into horses. Matter of fact, she just bought a horse, believe it or not. Oh, boy. So we now have, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. I'm officially a horse husband. I'm oh, no. like to be a horse husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I've started to get into a lot of equestrian stuff. So, the horse trailer was really a lot of fun to do. And oh, yeah. I think the thing that I'm, the thing I'm probably the happiest with uh, is the old pickup truck because it's something that, you know, I wanted like this old sort of, you know, truck up on blocks. Mm -hmm. It even has you the know, blocks. Sticking a, oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. The blocks are modeled right on there. Oh, and wow. I wanted something that I could sort of stick, you know, in a field or on a, on a front lawn or something. And um, this is one of those ones that either comes in a, a painted or an unpainted uh, right. version. And some of them, as I say, most mini prints will come unpainted, but some I've started to play around uh, with this, this painted option. And for this truck, and you can see it in one of the photographs, if you go to the old pickup truck I'm there right now. on the miniprints.com website, um, you know, you can buy it just as the resin and do whatever you want. But I've had a ton of fun uh, applying some weathering techniques uh, oh, yeah. and really making it look like super old and rusty. And you know what's neat uh, about that? And if someone pays 
I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's a upcharge right for the painted one. Yeah, ten bucks. It is. Yeah. But you know what's cool about that, Bernard, yeah. is everyone that does that is going to get a completely unique one. Totally. Like you're never okay. going to do it the each same is, twice. No way. It's each one is like a little sort of mini work of art. <laughs> like not not that I'm saying that I'm creating a work of art. I'm saying the you way, are the way it comes out. It's it's unique. Like it's it's yeah. It's just like this little like every time I do one, I'm like, ooh, that's a good one. Or, right. You know, like it's just right. Like you say, it's very. It's unique. It's custom. It's different. It's yeah. fun. Yes. And yeah. and that's where I I'm really getting like a lot of fun. You know, you get a little little sort of production line and you, you know you start painting these things and it's it's kind of fun. <laughs> I have sure. to remember to paint one for myself. <laughs> I keep making them. I keep making them and they keep going out the door. And I'm actually putting together um, two Fremo modules right now because I leave for Springfield in a week. And uh, the race is on right now because I want to bring down uh, two two foot by four foot Fremo modules, and I want to just sort of display as many uh, right. mini prints as I can on there. Just I'm not selling anything uh, right. down at the show, but it's more like show and tell. Okay. I just want to sort of set up a little module, and um, and this is one of the things I've got to get around to making for myself. <laughs> I want to like get the static grass applicator out and just like stick it in the field and then just like have tall grass growing all up around it. Oh, well, that'd be a great idea. You know, something in the front seat, like growing out the window. <laughs> kind of like yeah, that would be awesome to do that too. Over. Yeah. 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 We have a, we have an old truck like that on our layout, Brett, that, that Brett painted and put on uh, an old pickup. It's an old lifelike. Uh, it came from the old lifelike kit where the, you, you buy like the eight car train set and it has a the easy track <laughs> and it's got a cattle chute and a whole bunch of things like that. But I had an old pickup truck that was like, I don't know, it was shiny plastic black. And I, I painted it and, and weathered it up, but it, it reminds me of that. It's very similar. It, and, yeah, um, and he has stuff growing out of the yeah. windows and everything else. Yeah. I put it. the it tallest, great. the tallest scra- static grass I could find. And I started 12, 12 millimeter. Yeah. yeah. And I, and oh, I put man. a little, put a little thing of tacky glue inside underneath the cab and I used the pliers like a needle nose pliers and I stuck them down individually. So they were growing out of the windows and stuff <laughs> and it looks great. You should do it. It looks great when you're done. Yeah. 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 I've, I'm totally, that's, that's, that's exactly the look I want to go for. There's on that same page, there's a rotted rowboat and uh, it's got uh, like a, it's like an old rowboat that's completely decayed and it's got a hole in the, uh, the mm-hmm. side of it. So I just planted that in the river scene of my, of my diorama, my little Fremo module, and I got sort of like uh, marsh grasses to grow up through the holes in the rotted out rowboat. So it really looks like it's been there for like, you know, decades and right. the vegetation's all grown around it. Hey, with, but here's it's a question off, 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 a uh, little off topic, but on topic. Uh, now you run a business. And yep. you're also a model rower, so do you find it hard to find time to do your model rowing as well for your own personal? Uh, so I probably said this on the podcast two years ago, uh-huh. and I'll bet you I haven't gone back and replayed it, but I will I will bet you a dollar, Canadian or American dollar, your choice right now, <laughs> that I said to you two years ago, almost to the day, I'll bet you I said, 
I haven't been down to the layout to turn it on in eight months. And the reason that I'm pretty sure I said that two years ago is because right now I can tell you that in the last almost three years, two years since we spoke, three years plus since I started the business, the layout in my basement, and this is a full basement size layout. It's in right. a room that's basically 30 feet by, by 10 feet. And it's in three different rooms, actually. But oh the biggest room is 30 feet by 10 feet. So it's, it's a relatively large basement size layout. Right. In the last, call it three years, I've gone down and turned it on twice. Oh, oh. goodness. Yeah. It's uh. horrible. So one of the things I've started to do, it, it, it's the worst. So I'll tell you all the good stuff, but it is the absolute worst part about running the business is that I have absolutely no time for model railroad. So what I'm slowly doing, and I kind of come to grips with this, is I think I'm going to dismantle the basement size layout, which is a shame because it took seven years to build. But Uh, what I will probably do, since I have two teenage boys that would probably much rather have the basement than have the model (laughs) railroad in the basement, um, I'll probably end up taking it apart on the theory that I really am never going to find time to go down there. And I'll probably end up building like a whole bunch more Fremo modules mm-hmm. in my studio space on the theory that I'd much rather have. And, and I see this is an interesting trend I see in the hobby too. Way more people, in my opinion, are going for like two foot by four foot Fremo modules or shelf layouts or you know, small yep. things that they can really finish. Mm-hmm. And super detail and, you know, really go deep and do, like, amazing scenery uh, than sort of, I'd rather have something small that's finished that I can deal with than this huge big thing that's never going to get finished. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that, too. I'd love to try something like that myself. Bernard, that's... I think I've come to grips with the fact. We joke. You know, it's just... The basement was a nice idea, but it's just never going to get done. Bernard, we joke joke quite a bit about how we don't have trains, and I'm sure you've heard the... You've heard of all all of our funnies about that, but... We do um, have trains. We have a train, but but in reality, I think that's the reason why we decided and elected to not have a very complicated track layout we have a very simple figure eight i mean not even a figure eight it's a it's an oval with a cut through in the middle it's a one-way cut through and that's it because we decided we decided early on that my dad and i like to do the structures we like to do detail parts and scenery and though we wanted to do trains and we wanted to have a train because it's an important part of it. You know, we it, it really wasn't something we wanted to be wrapped up into. So we elected to spend our time working like my dad does a great job with it where he'll measure out a section, take a section home, and basically Fremo, hybrid Fremo in a way, if that's a thing, at his yeah. house, a complete 2 by 4 or a 2 by 2 or a, a certain size section and then bring it down in one chunk and just lay it right down into the layout. Um, and it works perfectly for us because it's it's kind of a modular, hybrid way of, of modeling for us. Yeah. I, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I was watching um, a, a YouTube podcast, I guess, YouTube show uh, the other night called Second Section. And they had uh, two really talented modelers on, uh, Tom Johnson and Thomas Klamowski. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, Tom Klosky wrote a book, like The Right Size Layout. It's a 
Kambach publishing book, really mm-hmm. good book. And Tom Johnson, uh, I think is probably, it's, it's hard to say the most talented because I don't want to leave anyone out, but I'll certainly say one of the most talented, if not the most talented scenery guy I've ever seen. Um, right. He is a retired art teacher. Uh, if you haven't checked out his stuff, it's unbelievable. I, I've seen photographs of his work. It's insane. It yep. is insane. I mean, he he was going through this thing last night. I think it was last night about you know how he converted his. Uh, it's a shelf layout. I mean, it's no more than sixteen inches deep at any point. I mean, meanwhile, that his six he's done more in sixteen inches than I could do in three feet. Like his <laughs> the, the the way he's seamed modeled, you know, the scenes of the 16-inch deep layout, right. uh, it looks like it goes on forever. That's incredible. But he's gone so super detailed. He switched his whole uh, scene from uh, summer to fall, and he was going through and showing before and after pictures. You know, and he's like, and I, I put leaves on the roof in the corners of the, the gutters because, you know, that's how it would be in real life, and everything is perfect. Everything is That's so weird. I just accurate. did some of that last night. Put leaves in so the little on top of the rooftops where they would actually yeah. accumulate little dry brown leaves and stuff. Yep. That's, yeah. That, that's the kind of stuff that I love. You know, yeah. that's the kind of, the, the super detailing, like, you know, it's all about the details, details, details. Right, right. You're right. Um, yeah, and, and that's, mm-hmm. no, I think, and that's the kind of stuff I like making. Yeah. I, to me, I see stuff that's made on, Stuff that's a foot by you know twelve by twelve inches, and they the guys will make them and they'll sit them on a shelf instead in in, in their workshop well, and, and it's like a funny display. Funny you mention that. Um, I want to put a plug in then because you, you've segued into it beautifully. So I've started to do a thing, and you hinted on this a little earlier. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it or if you follow the the Mini Prince Facebook page, but yet again, please, please, please. Uh, follow me on on Facebook uh, because I've been posting lately. I've been doing a series of peanut butter lid challenges. Have you seen any of these? I have. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're so awesome. Okay, yeah. So I've given everybody the next one, and if anyone's interested, if anyone in listener land is interested, uh, the next deadline is February fourteenth. So that's Valentine's Day. So he, the, basically, there are no rules. So you do whatever you want. It can be any scale. Uh, you can use mini prints. You don't have to use mini prints if you don't want to. It, yeah. It's not, you know, it's not a paid political message. You know, the whole idea is to get people modeling. Obviously, right. if you use mini prints, I'd be thrilled. But you know how you mentioned earlier that you had all these mini prints sitting in a box unpainted? Uh, yeah, I have, I have like a few you, of them there, yep. Yeah, well, you mentioned, too, that the eagle had been sitting around or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I love the fact that people are getting mini prints, but I hate the thought that, you know, people aren't sort of using them or painting them. You know, I think like Toy Story, you know, like little toys that are, you know, not getting played with. (laughs) So I started this thing and this February 14th will be the third one. I did one at Halloween, one at Christmas, and now I'm doing one at Valentine's Day. Grab a standard three and a half inch peanut butter lid. I don't care whether it's craft. I don't care if it's chunky or smooth or (laughs) or whether it's a red lid or a a yellow lid or just, (laughs) you can even use that. Hellman's mayonnaise lid. I don't care. Just grab a lid that's roughly, I think a peanut butter lid is about three and a half inches in diameter. Mm -hmm. Grab a lid, and that's the only constraint. 
So whatever you do has to fit within that, we'll call it a three and a half inch peanut butter lid. Right. And that's the challenge. And then let your cool. imagination go wild. That's cool. No, We've done some contests like that ourselves on our, when we had to, well, we were doing the website and. Well, we actually, well. we did them mostly through COVID, uh, right. like the 2020 <laughs> spring and summer when everyone was kind of cooped up. We, we ran a couple of challenges yeah. where there was like an index card size or a two by two we inch. Had, and we had some amazing yeah. ones that were done by like Dave Cruiswick. I think, you know, Dave. Um, yeah. Uh, as, and who else? Uh, we had uh, Matthew uh, Hankins. Um, he's done some amazingly gorgeous uh, work as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and they, you know, just some incredible, incredible work that we've had entered into those contests. It's so fun to see how the people uh, work in a creative space to detail it out. And it's so much easier. Like you said, it's something you can complete. It's not something that's sitting there going, Oh, am I ever going to finish this in my lifetime? Yeah, you're going to finish in in two months, right? Or exactly. less. Or in this case, two weeks. Yeah. Right. And the beauty too is it's also a chance for you to try something you've never tried before. Like you know, maybe you don't want to go pour water on your layout because mm -hmm. you don't want to wreck. You know, you don't want it to flow down multiple levels, and yes. you know, you know, <laughs> you know, you don't yeah. want to freak out. Um, but you know, if you've got a peanut butter lid, three and a half inches in diameter, you know you can make as many mistakes as you want. There's very low risk. Right. And to right. make it interesting, to make it interesting, um, the winner, and I'll talk about the winner in a minute, the winner gets a, a $50 mini prints gift card and oh, is cool. not judged. So it's not the best one wins. Nobody votes for it. It's just a right. random draw. So anybody yeah. who enters, anybody who enters, and I don't care whether you put one hour into it or a thousand hours into it, right. if you enter the contest, you are randomly entered into the draw for the $50 mini pins oh, gift card. So see, everybody great. has an equal chance. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just uh, a way to encourage people to get out of their comfort zone and, and create something fun. Yeah. And with mini prints, it gives you the options. See, here, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to fit. Like I, I did this diorama. Okay. Uh, and it's a, it's 29 by 24 inches. Okay. And then about a foot high, maybe not quite a foot yep. high. And it looks humongous. It's got monster buildings on it. It's, it's, it's based off of that Fosco models, uh, limited edition kit that he put out. And, you know, it was under yep. kind of under Doug's design. We talked about it last week. It's easy for me to add wildlife to it. Okay. Because oh, you your go. eyes can focus on that small section to that small item or that small animal people can now look at and go oh there's deer there okay but it's tougher to find that deer on a monster layout okay not saying yeah. that you can't do you can't fit a whole lot of wildlife on a monster layout and many people do and they do it very well okay but you know you're also worried about vehicles cars people i mean all all the you know, the other features of a, a city or a, or a farm or a um, a mill area, okay, where mm -hmm. you're, you lose the you lose the thought process of hey, I need to I need to add some wildlife in here, okay, or you do, but it's a last minute thing. So then what happens? You order it and it sits on a shelf, okay. Well, here with a smaller way of building and adding your adding your modules or or di smaller dioramas into it. Um, you can detail it out with those animals 
And then when you put it all together on your layout, boom, there's your wildlife. There's your, mm-hmm. you know, the, and, and, and the people and the wildlife are what, and I said it last week, are what brings to life your layout. You, otherwise, it's a ghost town. For sure. Right. Yeah, and, for sure. So I'm just posting. I'm doing it right now because uh, the last <laughs> time I did it was was a couple of weeks ago. I'm posting right on the uh, Facebook.com slash mini prints, and it's mini prints 3D. So if you're looking for it on Facebook, it's mini prints 3, like number 3D is in 3D. Okay. Uh, the uh, Valentine's Day lid uh, contest post. Okay. Uh, and it's just submit photos to me by Tuesday, February 14th to my email, bernard at miniprints.com. And everyone who enters has the random chance to win the $50 gift card. There you have it, everybody. And, and it's just fun. Like, it's, it's yeah. pure, just, we had 14 entries for the uh, October, and we had 14 entries for uh, the Christmas one. And I go live on YouTube the first Wednesday of every month. So I don't, I'm not by any means interested in becoming a YouTuber or having a podcast, but once a month for one hour, so 7 yeah. PM Eastern on the first Wednesday of every month, I go live just to sort of check in and say, you know, what's new in the world of mini prints. So I, when I have a contest like this, uh, on March 1st, I think is the first Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I'll go live with all the entries. Nice. Oh, that will be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, so Wednesday, March 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern, I will show all the entries that we get uh, for the Valentine's Day. So if you guys want to participate or if any yeah, of well, look into doing that. listeners want to participate, it's just it's just a lot of fun. Hey, it's Pennsylvania in the winter. There ain't much There's to nothing do to do. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we'll just be know, sitting much, here in our houses. Well, and I mean, you know, it's it's three three and a half inch diameter. It's it's not a huge investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, although you wouldn't believe some of the some of the entries have been so elaborate. Uh, if you're interested in seeing them, you can go onto the YouTube page and um, go back and look at previous month entries. It's uh, it's some people have just put their heart and soul into these things. It's it's inspiring. Cool. Well, now I got a question. We were going to get to it. We kind of went everywhere else on the map. And okay. we were talking about the 3D printing of the people. Okay. Yeah. So walk us through the process of what, like, well, if I was going to Springfield next week and you were there and you're, are you going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to be scanning people with Springfield next week, right? I am. I am. Okay. Which now, is cool. So if you're uh, at Springfield, the- I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I said, if you're at Springfield, my listeners, and you go in and check it out, and I guess people can watch you scanning people, check that out, because I exactly. imagine it's kind of cool yeah. to go see. So, it is um, so much fun. So so the, the bad news is all the spots are sold out. So I put a, a form up in advance, and mm-hmm. uh, I had 38 spots between the Saturday and the Sunday, and they they disappeared pretty quickly, which is, lovely. Uh, and over the course of Saturday and Sunday, uh, we are in the Better Living Center, Section 19, right across from the NMRA National Booth, uh, right by door number eight. So apparently, 
John, the show director, said that we're in a great spot because we're right between the Dunkin' Donuts and the washroom. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, we're right between Exact Rail and Intermountain. So it's, it's a great area. I'm very thankful. We've got a lovely large space. Uh, and I will be doing 3D scanning. Uh, I bring a monitor so everyone can watch, and it's really we did this at Timonium. Yeah, what, what, how explain so, how that happens for us? Uh, how I got to Timonium, or how the process? No, no. What, what, the person comes, they 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 stand yeah. on like a so disc, come. or what the hell is it? <laughs> yeah, I spin them around. Okay. Uh, they stand on a rotating platter. I spin them around. I aim uh, a 3D scanner at them, and I capture their soul. <laughs> uh, there you go, huh? That's, that's pretty funny that you mentioned that. We're we're civil reenactors past in the years past, and a lot of our listeners know that uh, we used to do that. And but part of the history of civil war, um, the civil war in American civil war, is um, when you saw old tin types. Right when you saw old tin types, a lot of times the people are looking away from the camera. Okay, and the reason being at the time because it was new, it was around the time that photography was just now coming out in the 1860s or actually in the 1850s and stuff. It was getting real popular um, when they would get the soldiers would get their picture taken, or even just townspeople or anybody else, uh, they would get that tin type made. Uh, they would look off because they were they thought that it was the devil, and they well, were going. To no, they thought get, that it was going to capture their soul. Yeah, they th- yeah. they thought the, the camera was going to capture their soul. Yeah, right, right. Well, they thought it was evil though. <laughs> the, the whole the process, right. how it's done. They thought there was something evilly magical about right. it. Right, but yeah, right. So anyhow, that's why they stare off to space and they don't look directly at the camera. But anyhow, well, we went off the path on that one. That was that, that went somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you still there? Uh oh. Did I lose Bernard? Did we lose him? Uh oh. Call am back. I, am I here? You're am here. Back? You're there. Yeah. Yes. What yes. Hey, maybe. Oh, okay. Did you catch the yeah. whole story from my dad about the devil and the camera? Yes. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> All right. Good. And what the what hell I was, happened there? I saying, I don't know. The devil. Yeah. Stole our soul. Yeah. Stole our show, huh? <laughs> the yeah, heck. Exactly. So, so now they mm. now they spin on this circular thing, right? You said you spin them. Yeah. You you spin them electronically or electrically? Is it? Uh, they stand on it and it moves. Yeah. Yeah. They okay. spin around in a circle. And I mean, I, I, over the past year, mm-hmm. I've experimented with, I go around the person versus the person rotates, you know, mm-hmm. so is it better to have the scanner stationary or, and the person rotating or vice versa? Is it better to have the camera move horizontally or move vertically? You know, I have spent hundreds of hours, you know, I've tried five different types of scanners. I've tried, you know, I mean, I'm always experimenting on, you know, what the right uh, equipment is because you kind of want a combination. You want it to be fast. You want it to be easy. I mean, the person has to hold their position, right? While you scan them. Right. So you can't have someone holding their position for 10 minutes. No. 
But at the same time, you know, you want it to be fast, but you want to get as much detail as possible. And the two are kind of at opposite ends. So, you know, I could get the most detailed scan in the world, but I'd be spending an hour going over every square inch of your body. Well, no one's going to stand still for that. So I've, I've sort of developed my own little sort of mad scientist proprietary, you know, what works for me. Mm -hmm. And I tested it at Timonium. I did 33 scans in October at the Timonium show. uh, And that's, you're seeing some of them up there on the, uh, miniprints.com slash mini-me mm-hmm. right. that we looked at, including one gentleman who did come in Civil War attire. Mm-hmm. He's sort of, uh, I think it was DC. You might know him from the Civil War uh, movement. It was, uh, what's his? DC is his. He goes by DC. I oh, okay. I, I may may or may not. There's no, We probably I'm saw him. There's tens of thousands yeah. of people. Yeah, that do that. Yeah, so. yeah. And uh, actually, I modeled some Civil War cannon for him that you might like. Oh, nice! I did see, I did uh, see yeah. that on there. Yeah, yeah, oh, the Napoleons. Yeah, 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 they're Napoleons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, they're twelve-pounder uh, Napoleons. Yes, uh, that he wanted. They're wild cannons, man. They are loud <laughs> cannons. <laughs> they will blow out. They will. They will blow out your eardrums. We've stood. Oh, I can imagine. Ten, fifteen feet away or less during battle reenactments uh, with those things going off, and uh, it's incredible. The noise. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. It's amazing so we can hear it now. D- check out DC1 and DC2 on the Mini-Me page. So he came with his Civil War gear. Oh, cool. um, And uh, so we did a little scan there. Once again, it's you know it looks better in real life than on yeah, the little sure. screen image. Um, uh, but so we, we tested it there, perfected it, learned a few things. Uh, so you basically, you come in, you tell me how many little prints you want, what scale you're in. You know, I confirm your your mailing address and uh, they come in, they get scanned. Uh, the uh-huh. scanning itself probably only takes about five minutes, but I've given us, I, I've served on blocks of 20 minutes because I figure, you know, people come in, I'll explain it. You know, we'll, we'll try sure. a few different poses. You know, we'll do a scan. If they don't like it, we'll redo it. Right. And then basically, the scan gets me about 80% there. So it's not instantaneous in as much as I'll get the scan, um, but then I'll go back to my studio and I'll sort of clean it up, fill in the the details, you know, add in things that, you know, for example, uh, hats don't typically scan. So I add the hats or the glasses in after the fact. I'll fix it a little bit. Uh, And then two, three weeks later, I'll mail you your figures. No, nice. oh, that's so cool. Now, now, how many? I, I'm not. I'm not. We're not going to get into pricing or anything like that. But how many? <laughs> well, what you said about how many they want. How many? How many do they normally order of themselves? because well, I don't know how many on one of me. Well, I, I, I just made up a number and I said for the price. Yeah, I'll give you five. Oh, okay. And believe it or not, I've had, I've had, oh, five is way too many. I only need one. I'm yeah. like, well, I'm not giving you one. You know, what right. if you drop it or break it? What or if you, if you don't hit like it with a spring can at night or, in, the, in the yard? It goes out, blows out in the, in, on the patio. Yeah. At exactly. night. Exactly. You have right? five of them and you don't have to spend three hours, you know, in your skivvies <laughs> yeah. in minus 
degree weather looking for them. <laughs> right. I, then yeah, I had one I, guy. I, yeah. I had I had one guy from Timonium say, "Okay, I'll take the five that are included. Right. Can you make me another 20? Oh my god! I'm like, what the hell are you going to do with twenty five? <laughs> he really, scale? really Figure. likes himself. <laughs> no, you know what he said? No. I kid you not. I've got the email. I can show it to you after approving. He said, everyone's getting a mini me for Christmas this year. Oh, see, that's cool. Now, that's kind of cool. You know? Uh, that's so kind of cool. He, must have been, he was probably like in an operations group or something. Yeah. You know, he probably yeah. hangs out with 20 guys in his club or something. Right. So he gave them all like a little miniature <laughs> HO scale him. Well, that's uh, that's, that's so, actually pretty Dad, smart. next year, all you're getting from me is a mini me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But well, and yeah. I'll also do mixed scale. So I, I had right. some people that said, "Well, you know, like like I had one. Uh, it was a father son, yeah. and he said, well, like um, I want.' It's funny because actually it was really sweet. So the father brought the son to the Timonium show because the son wanted to do it. Yeah. And then the son said, "Dad, I'm not doing it unless you do it because I want you on my layout and I want you to put me on your layout." And I ended up doing a mix because one was H and one was N. So I yeah. mixed. I, I made like a bunch of N scale and HO scales of both of them for each nice. other. Nice. Yeah. That's so cool. So that was kind of cute. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. So, I mean, it doesn't really like all the, honestly, like all the time is spent in uh-huh. post-production. So like the scan takes time. Sure. But it's all the computer work afterwards. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter to me whether I print it out in N scale or HO scale or S scale or O scale or right. you know, whether you want three of them or five of them. It's like, it doesn't really matter. And yeah. I, I really am a believer that a happy customer is a happy customer. Sure. Sure. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you but imagine it's, printing it's one so out in the G scale? <laughs> you know, oh, I have. I have. They look, oh, you put in a human on a G look, scale? Oh, God, yes. So many of them. As a matter of fact, um, so uh, there was one woman, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Casey. So Casey on the mini-me page, Mm -hmm. she modeled dollhouse miniatures, so she wasn't even a model railroader. Right. So she wanted herself in 1 to 12. Okay. Yeah. So the KCC character, the one of the woman holding the coffee cup, that was actually, she came and she said, I saw you were doing this. Um, can you do one to twelve scale for my model dollhouse? Right. So I guess it was an, an inch to the foot, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I got it right here. Like, I pulled it up. Yeah. So her her character was like, I guess what, five inches? Yeah. Type thing, five and a bit. She's you know, nice. Five, six, whatever. Yeah. So so she wanted one inch to the foot. Now, obviously, there's an upcharge because that's a heck right. of a lot sure. of resin Absolutely. and a heck of a lot of print time. Oh yeah. Uh, and that. The you know that's not calm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but you know that you can scale it anyway. You know, yeah, any way you want. Yeah, we were just we were so, just joking around on that, but yeah, the, the, but, the sky's oh, yeah, the no, limit it, for you on this. I mean, where you can yeah, go, well, with what you're doing is insane. But it's so much fun, and it's a spectator sport. So, um, besides the fact that it's a lot of fun to to watch, mm-hmm. um, if you're uh, viewership, listenership, if you're fans, if you're freaks, uh, <laughs> as you call them, yep. uh, are heading over to Springfield, uh, and they want to pop by the Mini Prince booth to say hi, uh, yep. please do, because 
I'd love to meet everyone, but I'm also going to have the two Fremo modules there with the uh, mini prints on them. And I'm going to be giving out uh, postcards with a 15% off. Uh, oh, nice. Coupon. Good. Very cool. Yeah. Good. Hey, Brett. Yeah. So yeah. They should stop by and say hi. Oh, that'll be awesome. I think I encourage all of our listeners that are going to be up there to actually do that. Um, that's one of the reasons why when I was talking to Bernard uh, several weeks back or even I guess back is in, the, is in December and uh, uh, about getting on the show, um, we kind of timed this uh, so we could so it would be around the time for uh, Springfield and right. and you could actually go see this because the, the scanning of the people was something we really wanted to talk to you about and everything which and, and we're so glad we got to tonight and right and uh we were going to talk a little bit about the modeling end of of painting them and getting them ready which we have done before and we've we talked and i just realized that when you told me about spray painting them with the uh the um, the camo the, the camo uh color now, actually i've been spray painting a lot of stuff with the gray myself right uh, the quilon gray um just simply because uh, not especially with animals. I, I don't like the the um, I, I I don't like the camo brown or the khaki because it just it, it if it's an underlying I don't know the the gray gives me a better tone for whatever reason I thought so yeah, and it's all about experimenting like every now and then like I said I'll just take three of the same figure mm-hmm. and just try three different primers or yeah. three different washes yeah you know it's it's not a lot and, of, and even um, with detail parts, investment just to practice. Sometimes right. with detail parts, I'll just do a flat black, not a primer, because yeah. the, the flat black will allow me to have that shadow and some crevices that I don't necessarily want paint to get into. Or if I'm dry brushing, the black right. will work a lot better. So, like Bernard said, you just want to experiment with that a lot. Right. Um, yeah, and it's different. Like if you're pa- if you're painting, like for example, a um, an HO scale barbecue, uh-huh. like a, a kettle barbecue, like a Weber. Right. Right. Then like black might be perfect because if you're going to then sort of put red over top of it, you want the red to look darker and then you want the bottom to be shadowed. So, you know, I, I might approach, there's no one size fits all. If you're doing an eagle, yeah. it's very different than a person that's very different right. than a, a barbecue. Right. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't do, I didn't do my eagle. I did, did him in gray. Um, but yeah. any, any, you know, I, I loved how he turned out, but the, um, the one question I had for you on painting, especially now that you've got more and more human figures and I've been painting some human figures as well, uh, of the unpainted versions that I have of that we bought some time ago for Prizer. Um, but, uh, just from your experience of painting them yourself, uh, what do you use for flesh? Uh, I have bought, <laughs> you're going to love the answer to this. <laughs> so I have bought uh, a line of paints called the Army Painter. Ah, so, yes, yes, I knew who uh, they are. Yeah, so Army Painter War Paints. And I chose them uh, because I could get, I think, 50 different colors. It was like one of these, it was on Amazon Mm -hmm. and I'd read some reviews about them, some good, some bad. And I just went on and I knew that I wanted, like, I wanted like everything. Like I wanted to get 50 bottles that covered everything 
because <laughs> I didn't want to have to be sort of like thinking about what I wanted. Like I didn't know where to start. So I just ordered the starter set. Right. And the starter set was like, you know, 50 bottles and it came with like four bottles of metallic. So, you know, you got the, uh, you know, the bronze, the silver, the gold. It came with four bottles of washes. So there's a light wash, flesh wash, dark wash, strong wash. And then it came with, I guess, what, uh, 46 actual, well, 36 actual colors. Right. Something like that. Mm-hmm. The color that it came with, and you're going to laugh, because all of these colors have got the best names. Uh, and I, I might have touched on this last time. But, you know, there's like, you know, Dragon's Breath and, <laughs> and Ogre's Snot and, yep, you know, yep. like... Um, necromancer cloak and you know <laughs> all of the names are like there it comes from war gamers right these right. are like i guess war gamer paints so you know this is uh i don't know goblin barf or whatever <laughs> anyway <laughs> he's not lying i've been <laughs> like literally one of those war pit war uh figure shops where they sell that stuff we have one in harrisburg yeah. here and uh yeah they have the strangest names for them they're cool though so they're, yeah. they're unbelievably funny names. Uh-huh. Um, like my the, the the one that I use for jeans. Here, what is this called? Uh, Void Men's Blue or something. I don't even know what that is. Like right. these all come from the world of I, my my teenage boys would probably know what these things are because <laughs> um, it's all Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Anyway, right. the color to answer your question, I use a color called Barbarian Flesh. Barbarian Flesh. Barbarian Flesh. It is absolutely the best skin tone. So War Painter Barbarian Flesh is my go-to skin tone. It's perfect. And uh, I paint, and I might have mentioned this last time, I don't remember, but I paint with something called a wet palette. I don't know if you're familiar with the wet palette. Sure am. Yep. Okay. Absolutely Absolutely critical. 100% the most important uh, thing that I've ever uh, learned about painting. And when I apply the, these are all just acrylics, you know, little mm-hmm. nipple bottles of acrylic, mm-hmm. you know, much like Vallejo or anything like that. Right. Um, and when I paint with them, I use the lightest, lightest washes of color. So right. I'm, I'm almost not applying paint to the model. I'm applying sort of painty water. Right. So I, I, because there's such fine details, you don't want to lose it. In these, yeah. So if you glob on the acrylic paints, yep. they just fill in all the details. Yes. Whereas if you literally sort of touch a brush with sort of a colored water on it, mm-hmm. then you get, you, you know, you might have to do it two or three times to build up enough color. Right. Uh, but the whole key for me is don't paint with paint, paint with water. Right. With a little bit of paint in it. Right. Yeah, I, I thinned out with water almost every one of my paints when I was painting those yeah. figures and yeah, you have to, because otherwise I'm going to lose every part of my detail. Uh, if you're using yeah. straight craft paint out of the, out of the bottle, you just can't just don't do that. And, uh, but, and, and uh, there's no such thing. There's no such thing in my book as too much water, too little paint. I mean, the, I'll, I'll thin the paint down to the point where, you know, it's like, you know, a thousand drops of water to a drop of paint. Right, and I'll say, you know, like it, it can be so thin that I'll think, you know, there's no way I can get this thinner, and you can't. Yeah, 
Like you just keep, it's amazing how little paint you want. Like this, the set of paints that I probably got two years ago, I don't think I've used more than a couple drops yeah. out of the bottle. Yeah, it's it, you don't use much on those. I have a couple Citadel paints here, which are very similar, and very um, similar, and they, they same deal. They, that stuff will last forever for what you're painting. It really does. I mean, oh yeah, I, I would argue it's a lifetime's worth of paint. If you're using up a bottle of paint, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah, you're probably yeah. using <laughs> too much paint. Right. You only need a yeah. couple of little seen, drops. I, well, even like a drop of paint, and then you just water it down so much mm-hmm. that it's it's not paint anymore. It's just water. Right, yeah. And it is frustrating. Like the one thing I will say about it is you get decent results, but it is time-consuming. Right. right. You find yeah. that, um, and I paint underneath like a halogen light, so the halogen light is so hot. That's yeah. the advantage of using the very thin water paints is right. that, it's almost like painting with watercolors, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, the time that, you know, if you're holding it up, you know, six inches underneath this warm light bulb, it almost dries instantly. Right. So oh, I imagine it would light, with a halogen. <laughs> yeah. The heat, now, the heat from the light yeah. almost dries, you know, your your. I think I need to get some halogen. Contact. I think I need to get some halogen lights down here because... Um, Oh, your your basement's my basement's cold. Chilly and damp. Yeah. So, uh, well, well, it's not too, it's not too damn now. I got the dehumidifier, damn, yeah. but it's cold. So the halogen log, I would just sit like like a lizard, um, Bernard. I I would probably just be like a lizard <laughs> and and live in the basement then, <laughs> under the halogen lamps. But go. but even for painting, it would expedite in the drying process. Right. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I had a hair dryer going. I had a little ceramic heater going. Uh, and I, I used to, when I was weathering freight cars, I'd sort of take the hair dryer out and sort of, you know, blow it over the, the, the freight car a couple of times. Cause I'm pretty impatient. Yeah. Right. And that's the surest way to, surest way to ruin something is to move too quickly. Definitely. Yes. You know, which, which you want to do because, you know, you don't want to spend 18 hours painting something or even right. six hours or even three hours. Uh, and you, you know, you kind of like you're tired you want to go to bed you want to go down have a beer you don't want to sort of prolong it but the, the haste really does make waste like right. if you rush it you're going to ruin it you're doing it a second time definitely yeah so i mean the, the halogen light i just got like one of these ikea um lamps on a on an arm and it's got a halogen bulb and you know if i put my hand i don't know three four inches below the bulb mm-hmm. like it's hot. Like you have to move your hand after a while. Yeah. Huh. Like these halogen bulbs will dry your paint very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And now one of the questions I had recently from posting up the painting figures that I've done and things for the last week or so, um, I had a lot of people commenting, well, what do you do to, to, you know, one guy said he takes, some kind of black wash and he washes it over the whole thing when he's, and I've tried that Bernard and I don't like the outcome of it. I've not had good luck doing that. Um, I think it, no, I think me neither. I, I, I think sometimes it makes my paints run or fade or it changes the overall look. I like them painted as I'm painting the way I painted them. And, and then, yeah. 
um, because they're not big. And this is my logic. I tried to explain to this guy. I tried to type it to him on in our Facebook group. Uh, but when it's a it's such a small object, okay, that's going to be in grander scale. Something there's a lot of things on this module in particular that are eye catching. The waterfall. The I mean, there's a lot of focal points. Um, the actual mill that uh, Doug designed, the, the big mill at the top. Okay, there's all these things that are on this, and I'm just using this as my example because that's what I'm working with. But so any anybody's design or layout or whatever they're building, if they're adding people or or animals or whatever to, um, they are such small detail parts. That if I fade them out and make them look dirty, because this guy sent me a picture. It's on one of the posts on Facebook. And he sent me a picture, and it had his pants and stuff. For, and and it had, that's what you want, and it, it, you want it to look like that. Uh, that's fine. His pants were dirty. And as a result, because of the wash he put on, it was on his skin. And it, it just made everything look a little like like they were out playing in the dirt, you know? And, um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm knocking, that's what they want. That's what they want. But for me, um, I like the colors to be not necessarily vivid or overly vibrant, but I want them to be noticeable. So when I put it on my scene, that your eye is going to catch to that. Otherwise you don't see those people. They won't pop like they need to, you know, the, the, the people tell the story. Uh, the, the, the animals tell the story of what's happening on that creek with the deer or down along the water, at the bottom of the waterfall with the eagle. Okay. Those need to be visible. If they don't, what's the sense of putting them on there? Um, you, you want them yeah, to look nice, but you want you. them to be able to be seen. Right. So but, what I've done, and I agree with you, I've got sort of two thoughts slash comments. Um, I, I agree with you. I've not had any luck with, uh, washes uh, over top of the acrylic yeah. paints. Right. Interestingly, with my most recent experiment, I actually had more luck if I put the wash on first yeah. and then painted over top of the wash. So if you put a black wash or a, or a dark tone, like um, one of these uh, oil washes, like a non -oil? underneath... Uh, well, I've got there these once again. They're these washes that come from the uh, the army painter. Yeah, yeah, line that's that I've got. That's a, they make tones. one called non oil as well uh, yeah. for that kind of thing. Yep, yep. So if I put the wash on the base figure and then paint my acrylics over top of that, yeah. it seems if your acrylics are thin enough, uh, the washes create that that shading detail underneath. So oh. that that will work. Cool. Um, so try that. Experiment yeah. with that. So, yeah. uh, and I did one where I just put thinned black paint mm -hmm. on my primed figure, uh, and then painted over top of that, and that was spectacular because right. it just darkens the crevices. So that when I put my acrylic washes over top of it, you can see the definition better. So that would work. Um, I have dirtied up clothing in the past yeah uh using pan pan pastels sure so not a wash but just a, like a powder yes and that's kind of nice because if you get too much of it on you just wipe it off right like right, you just exactly. brush it off yeah. so like i did have a guy that was wearing jeans and my wife said they're too clean you know he was yeah. like 
just standing by the track. So he needed right. a little bit of dirtying up, but I would rather use like a, a chalk or a powder or a pan pastel. Than I've a had good luck with that I'm, as well. Yeah. Uh, and then the final thing I will say is I hate shiny figures. So the one thing that I do find is that these acrylic paints do sometimes dry a little glossy and I don't think figures should look glossy. So what I will often do, if I remember, and often I don't, but I try and remember to just shoot a little uh, uh, testers, dull coat on top oh, of the yeah, figures. Yeah. Oh, that's true too. Because yeah. I think like like figures shouldn't be plastic shiny, and the no. acrylic paints sometimes look a little plastic shiny to me. Yeah. So if yeah. you just dull them down with a dull coat or a flat coat spray, yep. like a rattle can spray, right. uh, that just dulls the shiny acrylics down and I realistic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, like if I'm wearing well. a white t-shirt, if I'm wearing a white t-shirt and I think I did that with the, let me just see the don't push me cause I'm close to the edge character, Steve mm-hmm. Duranix, the guy, uh, edge one. Sorry. Let me take a look at him. The one um, looking down. I think yep. I paint. Yeah. The one looking down. I think he had a super, like I painted him a white shirt. And then the white shirt under the lights was looking a little glossy. And I'm like, well, I'm wearing a white T-shirt right now. White T-shirts aren't glossy. So I dull-coated him, just knocked down that white shine acrylic, and it was so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Just looked a little more realistic. Mm -hmm. The the other issue I had, the other question we had, well, not the question, it was somebody... Um, commenting on the color of the children that were riding on the shoulder of the father, uh, I think the boy and the, and the little girl had, I tried to give them blonde hair, but good luck finding a color that's blonde. Okay. You can mix something up a little bit and maybe I could have went a little lighter. It, it's a, <laughs> I used kind of a yellow paint, but if you see kids with blonde hair when they're young, it's got yeah. a yellowish tint to their blonde hair, you know? Yeah, and, I did I did a blonde girl for the lemonade stand. So if you I have a little girl pouring lemonade on a lemonade stand uh-huh. and I did her in blonde hair. Blonde is hard because yeah, that's a very difficult. I mean, that's why most of my figures are wearing ball caps. Yeah, right. hair is really hard to do. Less hair, less hair. Yeah. Yeah, here's the lemonade um, stand. I'll pull it up. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there's yeah. a little blonde girl with two sort of pigtails, pigtails, pigtails behind the yeah. lemonade stand. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. And that, and that's maybe something that these uh, paint companies and manufacturers need to start thinking about is, okay, they got flesh tones out, like you were saying. Okay, maybe they need yeah. to start putting out some colors for hair. <laughs> Different tones of yeah, hair. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, uh, blonde it. is tough. I, I'm just looking. Uh, the Kids of Summer, which mm-hmm. is baseball. Okay. Uh, which is probably under people. Right. Um, I did uh, I did a, a series of uh, kids playing baseball. It's a set of three, a, a catcher, a pitcher, and a batter. Gotcha. And uh, I made the pitcher, uh, she, I think I was aiming for like, I don't know, 16, 16-year-old girl. Oh, yeah. And I made I her like with a blonde, blonde yeah. ponytail. Yeah, that turned out and good. And I think, yeah, I just kind of used, I mean, just, Play you around. Mix them around. That's yeah. a beauty. Well, the wet palette, right? The wet yeah. palette makes mixing paints really, really easy. Right. You know, you put a drop of yellow and then you put a drop of white and 
then you look at it and then you realize you need a drop of tan and you, know, you just you just mix your paints yeah, on the wet her hair's a little on the yellow something. side. Yeah, little on the yellow side, but you know yeah. she. That's what you can do, man. Clairol. Well, but at the same time, at the same time, though, uh, what visually, if you guys weren't talking about the hair looking yellow, yeah, whenever you're scanning through a photo or you see it in person or whatever, when your when your brain recognizes what you're seeing, you're like, all right, that's a blonde, that's a blonde woman, or that's a blonde man's hair. Like, right, you're we're already conditioned to process that as blonde as a blonde so yeah, it doesn't look ab- yeah. it doesn't look abnormal when you initially glance at it so that makes yeah. sense yeah it turned out great well, right. we'll get is, i don't think there's any right or wrong i mean there's a prototype for anything there right? isn't so right. like who's to say there isn't someone walking around with that exact hair color right now right 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 you know, who who knows like, hey i don't there's think... people walking around with purple and green hair so right Exactly. And so, I mean, I, I'm. And the other thing is, like, you I'm can do a beat myself up. You can do a redhead or a brunette, and it's a pretty similar color. But when you think about the when someone says someone someone's blonde, there's so yeah. many variations of blonde where you could be right. like my daughter, where she's like a platinum blonde, where it's almost white, all the way to a yellowish blonde, like a you know that summer blonde color. So you know, there's right. no wrong way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And there's no doubt, there's absolutely no doubt that the hardest thing to paint are people. hundred percent. The hardest thing. Yep. Because there's something about the human eye, like, like, you know, you can get a box car and, you know, it looks like a box car. You can get like an ATV or even a Canada goose, but there's just something we're so conditioned. Like we're, our eyes are so good at figuring out what's real and what isn't when it comes to people. And, and I've, I've asked some modelers. Uh, George Stelios is one when we went up to visit him. And I asked him if uh, he painted all those people because there's many thousands of people on his thing. And he says, heavens no, I buy them. Already <laughs> painted. He yep. said, if I did that, mm-hmm. he said, I would never have gotten this done. And uh, and and uh, I, I know for a fact that Doug uh, has also bought people that are yeah. already P-painted. Well. It just saves your time. So, sure. And the other yeah. thing, too, um, there are people that specialize in painting people. And, yeah. um, I mean, there's some amazing uh, people painters. Right. Uh, people that paint people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there. And, I mean, I'm not one of them. You know, I can yeah. sort of, well, you see what I what my level is. It's, yeah, it's good. I'm happy with it. Yeah, it's, I, it's okay. It's not, yeah. it's not the greatest. But the other thing, too, is... It also depends on the scale because I've seen some unbelievable painted people, but they always tend to be O scale. Yeah. Like the bigger the scale, the easier it is to paint. For oh, sure. absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and the funny thing is I saw a ton of N scale people and mm-hmm. how people end up painting those. I have no oh, idea. my goodness. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. The I'll eyes stick with. I'll that. stick with our scale for now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Until my until my eyes get to the point where I need to go to O. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything looks fantastic in O scale. I mean, I'll print something out in HO, and I'm I'm happy with it. 
And then yeah. an O-scale order will come in, and I'm like, oh, my God, look at all the detail. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Brett, do you have any more questions? Um, n- no, I think I'm I'm good. I mean, we covered two yeah. and a half hour, almost two and a half hours worth of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bernard, I want w- there's one there's one part here this where be, this this rival you know one of our longest there's, episodes. There's one yeah. story that you told us prior to coming on to the recording that I want I wanted to know if you would be comfortable sharing. Uh, it's more of a sports story, yeah. but it's still a cool history story. Oh, yes, yes. Please share So that. if you don't mind sharing that, right. and then we're going to call it we're a wrap. Nuts. Everybody knows out there. We're Hockey Nuts. We were talking before the show with Bernard about the um, about hockey in general. Well, I and, think I brought up doing a Stanley Cup mini print, and then you were yeah, like, well, Stanley actually, I have a funny print. story. So if you don't we're mind sh- yeah, I do. if you don't mind about sharing that, we'll um, we'll call that one, you know, the this, the 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 capstone of tonight's podcast yes there you go nothing to do with mini prints but a funny stanley cup story so yes it did come up and i think i said something like i have a funny stanley cup story so here it is (laughs) uh i grew up with a family story you know you get these shaggy dog family stories Mm -hmm. that you know you never know are really true or not and i was always told that my grandfather who i'm named after my mother's father uh, his initials are in the bottom of the Stanley Cup. And it's like, how could that possibly be true? So the family story goes something like this. Probably the 1930s or the 1940s, uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, was working at a jeweler in Montreal uh, called Burke's. And that would kind of be like the, the Tiffany's of Canada. Okay. So a very high-end you know, metalsmith jeweler. And the Stanley Cup came in for repair. I guess it was dented or bumped or, you know, they needed some work on it. So apparently the story goes that uh, Grandpa Barney uh, and some of the other guys who worked on the cup rather cheekily carved their initials into the bottom of the Stanley Cup. So that's the family story for years and years and years. And remember, this probably happened like 80 years ago. Mm-hmm. So for years and years and years, there's been this story that Grandpa Barney's initials are in the bottom of the Stanley Cup. Well, how would you ever know if that's true or not? Right. You know, it sounds like one of those crazy stories that, you know, couldn't possibly. You'd have to win the Stanley so, Cup to prove it. Right. But what an amazing family story, right? Right. So, yeah. It's kind of like a shaggy dog tail, right? Right. So, fast forward to three years ago, I'm in the States at a conference. I'm sitting with a guy, and he, I hear, you know, he's like two seats over and I hear out of the corner of my ear. He's going on about how he was just over at his friend's house, and his friend had the Stanley Cup at his house. And I don't know whether he was friends with a team member. I think the Stanley Cup goes around. Mm-hmm. Like he can have it at your house, or there's some way that it tours around. So somehow this guy got his hands on the Stanley Cup and he was showing pictures of it. And he was showing pictures of the top of it and the sides of it. And he had taken pictures of the bottom of it. So I said to him, why in the world do you have pictures of the bottom of the Stanley Cup? He said, because no one ever takes pictures of the bottom of the Stanley Cup. So I'm like, okay, let me see those. So I'm looking on this guy's iPhone and I'm sort of scrolling through the pictures of the bottom of the Stanley Cup. And I'm sort of using my fingers to pinch it up and zoom and zoom and zoom. And sure enough, there are my grandfather's initials. Which is amazing. That's so the family cool. Cup. So the, the family story was true. Um, I'm not sure when or where or how, you know, other than what I've been told. But yes, sure enough, 
there are the the initials, and I've got the photograph. I I snapped the photograph and I immediately texted it to my mom and said, you know that family photo, that family story we've heard for years. Well, here are the initials, clear as day. Right, you can confirm it. Uh, that is <laughs> I, the coolest I photographic story. evidence. Yeah, I know. No, and we're hockey so nuts, that's so we eat that up. Yeah, yeah, I know. So that's that is, my one connection to the Stanley Cup, which uh, is, so, I mean, you have direct lineage to it, which is really cool. So I guess oh. my maternal grandfather got close enough and hands-on enough that he could curve in. Right, and how many people since, <laughs> which is neat to think about, how many people since then have lifted it or held it or taken it to a party or a parade, and there were the, you know, the initials were traveling along with it there. That's that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so, kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't think you could get away with something like that these days. No, no, you, you would definitely these, be in big know? trouble now. You know what's another yeah. great correlation between the story and Bernard? is his grandfather was a jeweler, okay, who worked with very fine, detailed things mm-hmm. that were artistic. Oh, yeah, I guess. Okay? And now <laughs> he right. works with the same kind of thing. He's creating something amazing and small and tiny. Right. Yeah, and delicate, like jewelry would be. It's it's You're like the jeweler of model <laughs> or diorama building. Right. In, in a Just way, you don't are, make just yeah. please don't make me carve my initials into the bottom of each <laughs> tiny little mini print. Every mini print, Bernard said he's going to carve his initials to the bottom of. No, no. <laughs> well, I, I have a friend of mine who is a door, and uh, he works out of his own home. Um, he's very, very good. He's contracted out by all your big name um, chain jeweler places that you you know you go to malls and stores and things like that sure. everywhere. And they these same well-known companies contact him and he does contractual work for them, but he also runs his own business as well. And he, he designs, he designs these most beautiful pieces with full gems and everything, um, amazing stuff. And then he sells them to these companies, uh, his own design works. He sends them his work and the photos and then they, they contract him out to do some of this. For mm-hmm. them. Um, Anyhow, he I helped him when he moved from Oregon to Pennsylvania. Um, I helped him move his stuff, his equipment. We went to school together. He, he originally lived in this area, and now he moved back. Well, I helped him move some of the equipment in because it's very heavy into his new home that he had built, uh, into his uh, shop. And I'm telling you, they work with the same – well, obviously, it's a different type of thing, but they work with – he has – um, some of the most amazing 3D printers, uh, scanners, um, you know, the different type type of design equipment that you you know that you would probably be very familiar with yourself, Bernard. Um, it's just amazing stuff, and the prices of it. Oh my gosh, and the equipment <laughs> he's working with, it's insane. But uh, I haven't, I haven't, I think anybody would in what we do. Regardless, we don't make. I don't make things like that. Brett has a three D printer, but but yeah, the, what my friend does, what you do, we 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 look at that as modelers, all of us do, and we appreciate. We can all appreciate the fine work and detail and craftsmanship and the time and effort it must take, uh, and the 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 long amount of you know studying and looking into resources and learning it yourself to do it. 
um, it, it's 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 truly it's it's truly not just a business; it's an art for you, and uh, I think that's amazing. So, but well, it's it's definitely a, it's a passion. It's uh, you couldn't do it, you wouldn't do it right. uh, unless unless you know you were all in. Yeah, um, it's a labor and, of love, and for whatever reason, yeah, it's uh, well, and and I have to say, if I know we're going on to the the unlimited, never ending. 17 hour <laughs> podcast. Nah, nothing touches um, Dave Ferry, but okay, go on. Okay. Or Howard well, Zane. Oh, sounds, my word. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the best part, and this is why I will say it and say it again and say it again. The best part of this whole thing is seeing the photographs of what people do. So when you post, you know, the, the deer or the eagle, that is really gratifying for me because I love to see, you know, the artistry because let's face it, you know, it's, it's the painting and where you place it in the scene that really makes it come to life. Right. Right. So I love seeing that. And that's another reason why I encourage everyone to please, please, please uh, go onto the Facebook page, mini prints, 3d, you know, post your pictures, share your pictures. You know, I really, I derive a lot of pleasure from seeing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and, also meeting people, you know, meeting really talented modelers. So, you know, coming up and saying hi, you know, popping by the booth if you're at Springfield because, you know, you can't do this in a vacuum, you know, sitting in a, a little, you know, yeah. space, you know, in an old railway building, you know, yeah. staring at a computer. Yeah, it's fun, but it's not the same as, you know, getting out, meeting people, seeing photographs, having conversations. Oh, right. At the, the end part. of the day, our hobby, it's all about the people. It is. It truly is. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're not the only person we've had on the show as a as a manufacturer of something that has the same sentiment that you do where, you know, they love creating and they love making new stuff to sell. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. what they really enjoy the most is like seeing what the modeler takes and creates with what they have purchased from you. The purchase is great. You know, obviously that's what keeps your doors open. That's what allows you to do more and expand. And that's, that's just a business. But what you are doing that for is the enjoyment of like, my dad gets that deer or the Eagle and you hear the story about it, or we post about it and someone else shares what they've built with what you've created for them. And that's really, I think you know, the heart of why a lot of, you and a lot of other manufacturers do what they do. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Can't so. pop that. Yeah. Hey. Well, sir, I, think, I think on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. But, uh, I'm telling you, we had a great <laughs> time having you on the show. When, when the, I don't know if you're planning on coming down to Timonium uh, in, in the spring. Um, but if Probably you are in the fall again, in the fall, okay. and I would we say, will definitely come yeah. down. I promise you, I want to be we scanned. Be there and we're gonna hang out. I'm not gonna um, lie. I'm not gonna lie. I want to get scanned. I don't know how. I gotta. I gotta get scanned. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, Me too. and I'll tell you, I was. I was. Uh, here we go. This is a never-ending <laughs> podcast. Uh, it's I okay. was in Pennsylvania in July mm-hmm. uh, of this year. Uh, and it was unbelievable. Like I had so much fun. Like there's so much railroad infrastructure. Oh yeah. I was around Reading. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's like, like you're in steel industry. Oh my God. We rode the, um, uh, what was the railroad? We rented a bud car. There were 50 of us. So we were on a bud car 
we had the bud car for the day mm-hmm. uh, out of Reading, and oh, we traveled wow. on the on oh, blanking. Is it the Reading and Northern? There's a a really profitable short line that okay. runs a tourist railroad. There's a few of them the, out in um, that area. Is that the? Uh... Oh wait, wait, wait. Um, I'm, uh, I'm blanking as well. I know what you mean. Reading and is it the Reading and Northern? Maybe that's it. Is There's that a Reading uh, Northern. It's just Reading well, Northern. I think it's the Reading and Northern. Yeah. I think it's the Reading and Northern. They're based out of Port Clinton, and mm-hmm. they uh, they have yeah Reading Blue Mountain and Northern really, Railroad. Yeah, they have a really really thriving. Oh God, I could do three hours on this. They have a, <laughs> a really thriving short line. It's really really nice to see a short line. Yep. That is just expanding, and it's like just so many like their their freight revenues were going up ten percent a year and. You know, they they had they were just like adding customers, and you know, we really had free reign of the whole line for a day, and right. uh, they were explaining everything to us, um, and they were just setting all sorts of records for freight revenue and traffic, and it was unbelievably successful. And yeah. they also run uh, excursion trains, so we had this this unbelievable RDC one bud car for the day, and we went, you know we basically were on it for an entire day. You know, we kind of went three hours one way, stopped and then came three hours back the other way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was absolutely blown away. I went to Strasbourg for the first time. Oh, yeah. Strasbourg's great. Three yeah. hours just on that. And the museum's there. So, oh, all in our backyard. So anyway, <laughs> I'd never, I had never experienced anything like that because, you know, we have tourist railroads up here, but not in the density you know, I couldn't right. sort of turn around without seeing an excursion train or a tourist railroad or, yeah. you know, the rail infrastructure, the tourist infrastructure mm-hmm. was nothing I'd ever experienced. All of which to say is I can't wait to get back to Pennsylvania to experience <laughs> more of that. So I'm sure our paths will cross again in the near future. Oh, well, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and now that you have our contact info, um, if you're ever in the future heading into PA, just have, give us a shout, you know, oh, yeah. if, if we're, if we're available, yeah. we'd like to meet up. Yeah. There's a Harrisburg, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a Harrisburg and Enola rail yards, which are huge at one monstrous. point. Can, and one, yeah, they, at one point they controlled all rail traffic going in and out of, uh, the whole Northeast. Well, and you have, or, you have the Steelton, the whole Steelton, uh, steel right. yard there with the, all the then, industry train, uh, industri- industrial, you know, train tracks and stuff. And, 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 and West is the horseshoe curve and, and yeah. Altoona. It and, never ends. Never been to. Just, yeah. It never, Pennsylvania, like Pennsylvania is very rich in railroad, yeah. uh, history, yep. whether it's short yeah. lines or, or massive, you know, huge scale things. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd never experienced anything like it, and I experienced a little bit of that uh, at Timonium mm-hmm. um, on the way down because I stayed at the um, Station Inn right. in Crescent. Oh yeah, uh, which which was a lot of fun, and I think I'd like to do. I mean, we'll see what things look like, but uh, if I'm doing Springfield in January, it might be a stretch to go back February because I do have to feed the right. printers. But I sure. could certainly see myself doing Timonium again in the fall in the October okay. show. Yeah, that well, we'll definitely gonna we'll definitely come down. Uh, I'll talk to them. We said we did it one time before. We set up our own table down there, modeled, and if that's the, if you're stuff. coming, maybe we'll go do that again. We stayed there at the hotel uh, with all uh, with everybody at Timonium and and spent the whole weekend, drank a lot of beers, and uh, it was a great show. Yeah, 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 it's a good time down there. So. Yeah, but it really was. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, it sounds to me like a date, and uh, it sounds it. to me like it'll be 
it'll be less than two years to, before I talk to you guys again. So. <laughs> we, yes, will not, will. We'll, we, will, we will do our best to make sure it's not two years. So Yes, yes. <laughs> All righty. All right. All right. You got well, it, Bernard. We'll, hey, we'll, thank we'll you for being home with us. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, later.